Uh, it looks like you all hated me so much that you've given me this award for it. That it can be about the performance and not the politics. This moment is so much bigger than me. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. And thank all of you who voted for me and all of you who didn't, please excuse me. I deserve this, thank you. And welcome back to this week's episode of Academy Queens. I will get the biggest titties in the whole world so my dad can give me present to American men. I'm Joe Gentile. And I feel as if I'm losing all my leaves. I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And I will not be doing any of this podcasting without my Coca-Cola. I'm Ryan McQuaid. Ryan McQuaid, how the hell are you? Welcome doing, back. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's wonderful to be here and uh, see you guys in person. But really, it's not even about me. It's about this reunion that's going on here. It's just, it's just nice to be in front of people. That is true. And not being a giant screen. This reunion. We are Academy Queens, your LGBT guide through the Academy Awards per decade per category. And this, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, is the class of 2020. We're like caught up. Yeah, we are as caught up as can be, basically. And we are caught up together here in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Living it up in the heat and the humidity. I almost died yesterday twice. One from heat stroke, one from being hit by a car. <laughs> yes, you almost died for real. They were funny both times. <laughs> As I sip and drink a cocktail at 10 o'clock in the morning. You almost got hit next to the rainbow crosswalk, which means it could have been a hate crime. <laughs> oh my god! Damn it! I mean, yes, it could have been. Fag down! Um, during Pride Month. During Pride Month. Month. That would have been a hate crime. It's like a double well. hate crime. That's like, ga- that's, like that. enough, that's enough to go to the gas chamber. It is. It is. Electric chair. I'm sure they do that in Texas still. Isn't Texas a... Oh, probably. Oh, yeah. It's probably a... Death penalty. Death penalty yeah. state. Yeah. <sighs> they will fucking kill you here. <laughs> um, with that, yeah, I'm in Dallas. Uh, this is the first time Brandon and I have seen each other in almost two years. Right. I moved away from Cleveland July of 2019, and then you were going to visit Maryland, and then COVID happened, mm-hmm. and we never really got back to go to Ohio to visit family or anyone because of COVID, yeah. so... You didn't, we didn't have any visitors in yeah. Maryland. Now we're here. And this has been the first episode that we have recorded together face-to-face since season two, mm-hmm. 1989. It's been since 1989. Yeah. 87 years, whatever that line is. 84, 87, I don't know. We've done the last four seasons. Remote. Remote. It's kind of, it's, it's, the internet. it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And it's like one of those things, it's definitely, it's like, I don't want to say nostalgic, but I'm like soaking in the moment because this hasn't happened in so long. Right. But Ryan McQuaid, sir, is with us today. You've heard him before. He is back again. Back, 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 back again. And um, he's mainly just here because he was my ride to Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, no, it, we, uh, we wanted to do a guest with this episode and we have Ryan and he's here. So Ryan, welcome back. I told you I would never talk about this year ever again once it was over. And it would take a big, big reason to do this season again because we just finished it. I usually don't talk about the year that we wrapped up for probably at least two years. 
I'm not like film Twitter. I, I don't bring them up the last three years. Um, like it's, you know, my Bible. Like it's my Bible. Like it's 2018. Like it's 2018. I'm going to party like it's 2018. Um, but we went there. This was a, this was, this is a special circumstance. And Joey, uh, uh, yes, I was his ride. He stayed at my house. Um, well, he's still he's, he's stealing, he's trying okay. to steal stuff. The jury is out on whether he will return to San Antonio to get to his connecting flight. We will wait to see on that one. If okay, so I, I walk into Ryan's house, my house, his house, <laughs> and he has essentially what I'm calling the criterion closet, closet in his living room. Now, if you have heard me talk or tweet. If you heard me tweet, if you've seen me tweet or heard me talk, if you heard me tweet, if you heard me tweet, I'm not the hugest fan of Criterion. I find that 90% of their movies are just not interesting. So I'm like trying to go through the ones that I know that I'd like and I have them. So if I can get away with it, I think I earned that at that point. Well, and also, to I'm me- also trying to steal your living room set. Yes. Because when I explain that this, when I explain this to Brandon, Brandon's eyes even got big. For those of you, picture this, My Sicily. Dad. 2020. <laughs> I, no, um, picture it. A lazy boy that is decked the fuck out. You can charge your phone directly into the chair. Yeah. It is like Delta First Class One type, type of seat that is like, it is the godfather of recliners. So mm-hmm. if I can steal that, a couple of his criterion, I want to take his PlayStation 5. If I can get away what? with it. I massager? Can, the massager. The massager. I forgot about, about that. that. Is the massager part of the chair? Or that's no, it's it's a separate no, thing. It's, it's one like of those like um, handheld, but handheld. but it's not like the like. It's like it's, it's a, the it's one a that, like, that like boop, 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 yeah, like okay. eats into your body. I literally said if I had a if I had a vagina, that thing would never leave my clip. I said that out loud. I was like, I get it. Well, we're at we're at that part of the episode, guys. <laughs> we haven't even started. Start drinking if the word clip was on your bingo board. All right. <sighs> but fuck this year. It was long. It's a long award season. Yeah. Can I just can I just say it? Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna speak for everybody here. Mm-hmm. Fuck this year. It was awful. Like it was awful from the standpoint it was long. The discourse was terrible. Mm-hmm. All y'all should be ashamed of yourselves out there. Shamed. Shamed. And the it really I told Joey this and Brandon, you're gonna get to hear this as well. Is I questioned whether I wanted to keep doing this or not. Mm-hmm. Because like it, film criticism and podcasting. Well, not film criticism. Just talking about awards stuff in general. Oh. I questioned it. I mean, I'm fine now. Took a vacation. Mm-hmm. Went to the beach. Got really drunk. Uh, continued to drink. Uh, I guess that that's the medicine. It's just keep drinking. Yeah, drink, drink, drunk. Yeah, drink, drink, drunk. But I, I don't know. This year, it's still. I still have battle scars from it. Well, I mean, especially with this episode too. I think the best. It's going to be a long episode. It's a reunion episode. It's a live episode for us. Ryan's here. Ryan's here. Fuck y'all. He doesn't <laughs> shut up. But also, Fair. Too, we have a lot of questions. But as Betty Davis said in All About Eve, Fast New Seatbelts Boys, it's going to be a bumpy night. It's going to be a long episode. So we're doing this at, we started at 10 o'clock in the morning. We might, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it right now, we'll probably go until 1230. I can just see it happening because then we're going to go get brunch. But we've got a lot to talk about. A lot of discourse. Oh, you think you're eating with us? You're not. A, you're not invited to our table. You can't sit with us. And Amanda Seyfried is here this year, so that's fitting. <laughs> but um, do you guys have anything else you want to get going before we kind of dive in? We have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I say we dive in. 
Watch as I dive in. But who are we picking? Oh boy. Ryan, you're our guest today. You've been with us before. You're an honorary queen. Who are you and I choosing? I'm an honorary queen? Practically a super queen at this point. Well, that's very fair. I, well, I did also take over an episode of uh, bonus content. Yes. Yeah. When I was moving here. Yes, exactly. So I was Brandon, and Brandon is me. Yes. Um, we are one. I was the best part of the podcast that day. Now it's wonderful <laughs> to have you back. Oh, okay. You know, because, you know, Joe, E, it's you. We all know. Anyway, um, I'll start with Brandon. Um, for supporting actress, I think I think he's going to go with Yun from Minari. And for actress, I think he's going to go with Vanessa Kirby. It's funny you mention that. But go ahead. And then for, for, for you, clearly, it's Maria Baklova. It's like, not, I mean, clearly. If it's not, I would, I would probably have to leave you here in Dallas and in shame. Like, you know, shame for myself to be around you for not picking that correctly. And then for actress, I'm going to go Andra. Day. Not Andre Day. It is Andre Day. Not, no, and, not like, like my thing, but it, 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 it is. After speaking with her publicist all throughout the season, it yes. is Andra people, it is not Andra. Yes. Though, I'm tempted to go with Vanessa Kirby. You know who did pick Vanessa Kirby? Who? Not the Academy. Exactly. But Nicole did. <laughs> Hi, Nicole! Hi, Nicole! <laughs> um... Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Andrew Day for you. That's my predictions. Brandon? For Ryan, I'm going to go with Baklova and McDormand. And for Joey, I'm going to go Yoon and Day. So remember when I said that was funny that you brought up Kirby? Because I also see Brandon going Kirby. Mm. But I also could see him going Mulligan. So since you said Kirby, I will say Mulligan for okay. Brandon. I'm going to say Mulligan for lead, and I'm going to say Coleman for supporting, because I, I am aware that the father was very much your shit. Mm. But I don't know where you're going to put her category-wise. So I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say Mulligan and Coleman. For Ryan, I'm going to say Seyfried. Oh. I'm going to say Amanda Seyfried for supporting, I'm going to say Andrew Day for Ryan. I know he didn't like the movie, but I don't know how he thinks about the performance. So I'm going to say Andrew Day for Ryan and Seyfried for him. Yeah, and Mulligan and Coleman for you. All right. Here we go. All right. Well, Let's we, do we remember to do the, the guesses. We did. The thing we always forget to do. That yep. he literally forgot about in that bonus content episode that we did. Oh, and it reminded halfway him. Through. Halfway through. Oh, by the way, aren't we supposed to be guessing? Oh, that's right. You but know? I literally said, I was like, I was hoping you just pass over it. <laughs> I never forget. Uh, <laughs> let's do this. All right. Well, your nominees for Best Actress in a Supporting Role in 2020 were... My love of movies began at the local drive-in, watching...
from the likes of Clint Eastwood and Godzilla. Our nominees for Best Supporting Actress all fellow, also fell in love with movies at an early age. For Yeo Jung Yoon, it was through the work of actresses like Maggie Smith and directors Robert Altman and Mike Lee. For Amanda Seyfried, it was the film version of Romeo and Juliet, the Leo version. Amanda, me too. For Maria Bakalova, it was all about Marilyn Monroe. She'd write out Marilyn's quote, I'm going to be a great movie star someday. Maria, welcome. And as a young girl, Olivia Coleman's family would gather at Christmas time, get popcorn, and watch the sound of music and chitty chitty bang bang. And for the great Glenn Close, she was entranced by classic Disney movies like Snow White and Old Yeller. And apparently paid off, she ended up being cast as Cruella DeVille. <laughs> These are the nominees for the Best Supporting Actress. All right, let's start with the winner for the year, Yoon Yejun. Uh, this is her first and only win and nomination. Going into this, she wins uh, BAFTA, SAG, Los Angeles Film Critics, and the Spirit Award, and she is nominated with Critics' Choice, the AARP Movies for Grownups Award, and with the Dallas-Fort Worth Critics. Hey. That's a thing now. Hey, <laughs> that's yours. Yeah. In uh, Minari, she plays the grandmother who comes to help the family as they are getting settled in Arkansas. So, Ryan, how do you feel about our winner this past year? It's kind of crazy that, now looking back on it, that she's won this Oscar. Because at the time, we all sort of figured that she would get in sort of as the film Twitter adjacent nomination, Indie Spirit adjacent nomination, and that she'd be happy to get in there. Because, I mean, the year before, Xiao Xu Shen for The Farewell did not make it into the lineup. And I'm not saying that this is a makeup for that, but thank God that they got her in because she's fantastic in this film. She provides levity and uh, warmth to this film like um, most people that play grandmothers do. But I think that there's a, just a really great connection between her and Alan Kim throughout the film. I love that he's very standoffish to her at first. And then there's the whole uh, Mountain Dew gag, um, you know, which is hysterical. And she, like a, grand, like a loving grandmother, doesn't take it out on him or want to beat the hell out of him. She just... You know, it's just like, he's a he's a boy, it's, you know, he doesn't know. And then this is the ending is just heartbreaking. She's truly wonderful. I've only seen the film once. I really wanted to watch it again. I, I wasn't able to for the show, uh, so I failed you both. Um, but, I haven't watched anything <laughs> since this. I've yeah, since. I've got... I, it was a long season. I'm, trying to get, I'm just trying to get into the new year. Yeah. Because um, I don't know when the timelines are anymore. Um, really Avenger style fuck this whole thing up yeah um, but I just think she's really good um, and I'm not this is not my personal thing I'm just saying that I'm happy that she won the Oscar she threw so much shade throughout this entire race she called BAFTA for what they are she threw it all over Brad Pitt she she literally was and I know Joey this will make you mad she literally also at certain points was bowing down to Glenn Close she was just like, I don't know how I beat Glenn Close. Like, there was all the things. She won, 
you, regardless of the performance, you won over everyone's heart over the year. And it was like in a year where we were all stuck at home, it was like awarding your grandmother. And um, yeah, she's fantastic in this film. So as someone who is, was very close to his grandmother, I saw a lot of my grandmother in her. And I, there was, I, I didn't love Minari as a film. I thought it was okay, but I think what saves that film are some of these performances. Mm -hmm. And hers is a big part to this. You know, we, uh, there's always the conversation, especially in the last couple of years, that, you know, has happened with like Oscar's so white. And it always comes to white and black. And as critics, as Academy members, as Hollywood in general, they seem to always forget that there are people of Asian descent, there are Latinos, there are South Americans, there are Pacific Islanders, and it was very refreshing to see that change this year because of a film like Minari. And the fact that there hasn't been an Asian woman who has won this award since Miyoshi Umeki with Sayonara, yeah. what a breath of fresh to get someone else in there. Yeah. We've had many nominees. I wouldn't even say many, but we've had nominees over the years. You know, we both agree Jennifer Tilly should have won. Mm -hmm. She's of Chinese descent. I said with... Meg Tilly should have tied with Margaret Avery, Chinese descent. I have Rinko Kikuchi as my winner for Babel. Shut up, Ryan. Um, you know, even Haley Steinfeld, people don't realize Haley Steinfeld was the last Asian woman, because she is Filipino descent, yeah. to have had a nomination. Yeah. And it is one of those things where it shouldn't be... I don't feel like we have... It is 2021. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be praising this, because it should just be every day. So with that said, congratulations for the Academy for not just completely whitewashing another set of winners. I agree with Ryan. Very happy that she has it because it means a lot to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. With that said, on the performance, fantastic. Wonderful. It is hilarious. It is heartwarming. It is sad. And she is the moment. She is the movie. It should just be called Grandma's Mountain Dew. <laughs> She likes to drink a little piss. It's fine. <laughs> Sunja Du. Sunja Oh, Sunja Du. Yes. Um, I love it. I think it is a great performance. And it is one of those performances. Because remember, this didn't really show up at the Globes. So people were like, is it going to happen? Yeah, because we had Foster. Foster, which we'll get to because we have questions about this yeah. that, actually. Yeah. But she... And we'll talk about Maria Bakalova. Bakalova was the only one to get every single precursor. But she was... Once she won, there was no stopping them. It was crazy to watch. It was so exciting. So, love this. I do too. Uh, I think she is just splendid in the film. I'm a big fan of Minari. Uh, it's sort of that low-key family drama that I really dig. Um, you're just sort of one with the movie at one point. And so often when I was watching it, it felt like I was watching literature play out on screen. It wasn't, you know, drama for drama's sake, this big, like, powerhouse family argument style film. And I really dug it. Um, and Yoon gives the movie everything that it needs. Um, she is warm, like you were saying. She is funny. She has the humor. But she's also deeply heartbreaking at points, um, like when she has her stroke, which, which causes the performance to become very physical. 
which I think is something that a lot of people have not been mentioning as much. Um, that last third of the movie, when she has been sort of stricken with her new condition, she's very convincing in those moments. Like when the kids find her in bed, I think that's when we learn that she has gone through something. Um, she is really compelling in those moments, and at the end, when she's walking away from the fire that she accidentally created, and she's struggling to walk away from this fire, I, I kind of felt for her, and I was kind of fearful for what would happen to her. I didn't know if the whole goddamn field was gonna catch on fire and she'd be trapped, but oh. she can't really run away. I, I didn't know where it was going. Um, and that climax with uh, the fire and the whole thing burning down is, is really visually moving, and a lot of that has to do with Yoon's performance. Um, so this is one of those supporting performances that really gives you everything. She kind of runs through the whole stream of emotions and tones. So, If there is a point in this movie where we care this much about this character, if she's going to die in this fire, I think she did her job. No, and now I think it's yes. a universal feeling when you watch this movie. Yeah. Like, and I, and I, I know that a lot of cheap comparisons are usually made. And I, you know, I literally talked about Xia Jin, And I remember, like, the sort of campaign that people were putting around. It's like, the Academy screwed up the year before with blanking the farewell. And, like, going back to what you were mentioning, Joey, they, they, they did not, you know, accept that film into, literally from the same studio, mm-hmm. from May 24, from the same distributor. And... This was also the big, the quote unquote controversy with Minari is that that, that this movie was, was it foreign language? Was it American? This is an American story. And what's great is that you see this character come in midway through this family's transition into this new space, world space. And she is a ray of like sunshine and love and because... Stephen Young's character is very, the father is very much into trying to make a life for his family. Mom's sort of like miserable as hell. And this grandmother comes in, you know, and basically is like what a lot of us had in our lives, which is our grandparent being a pseudo parent to us. And I think that that's what's so devastating to what you're saying, Brandon, is that when we do see her go through this stroke um and completely change it's complete it's just it, it's completely devastating i remember watching it and just going oh my god no and i said that out loud and luckily i was at home because i'm not a monster and speak in a movie theater um but um you know i just was like my heart fell and she doesn't go full anthony hopkins and legends of the fall here when she has a stroke, her fellow, uh, you know, nominee in the, in, in the year, it's, it's still very within the character. It's very grounded. And then it does get really sad at the end. And God damn it, she's good. I want to, I want to open up a quick question before we get to the, uh, the first question we have here. Because you, you mentioned something specifically. And then there was some controversy with the Golden Globes. <laughs> This year in general. I miss them already. I know. But there was there was a controversy with the Golden Globes, and I, we briefly discussed it last night, where the Golden Globes had for their... And here's the thing. 
I'm on the Golden Globes aside for this one, is in the rules, there are it is specifically spelled out, have another drink, Joe, specifically spelled <laughs> out that if a movie has more than a certain percentage not in English, it is considered a foreign language film. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree with Minari being there. Yes, it is American made, but the official language of the United States is English. You could have an all-American production done in French. It is a foreign language film, like it or not. Now, do I think it's double standard? Because I said, even last night to you guys, the big thing people bring up is Inglorious Bastards was put in drama, not in foreign language. Well, that also should have been a foreign language film. So, it is a foreign language film, but it is American made. What are your guys' take on that? Because the Golden Globes were correct to put it in foreign language film. That's where the rules are and how it states. They were right. What do you guys think? Yeah, I actually didn't disagree with the Globes' decision. I kind of stayed out of the disc course because it gets yeah. on my nerves. You're smart. I know. I know. <laughs> right. Um, That's why he's the best host. Cause, like, I agree. Because like, <laughs> like you were saying, Joey, it comes down to the wording. The, the name of the category is foreign language film. It's not foreign film. It's not international. It's not non-American It's not film. what the Oscars are. It's not, it, They do it differently than the Oscars, yeah. which is international film, a movie that comes from another country. Mm-hmm. Yes. The Globes, it's about what language is spoken. Mm-hmm. Now... Are they consistent? No, they're the Globes. Of course they're not consistent. Right. But in this particular case with Minari, I did not mind it being in foreign foreign language film because it is mostly spoken in Korean. Right. So um, in this particular case, I was fine with it, but Mm. I stayed stayed away from the disc course because y'all are too much. Well, not... Not me and Joey, but those people. Yes. yes. Um, Stop being stupid, people. <laughs> know your rules before you make a comment, because you look like idiots. Yeah, look at the wording. Well, I, I think it's it's a little bit of just stop jumping to conclusions so fucking quick. Boom. Like, you want to have your tweet thought go viral when you aren't putting actually in the work to read it. You guys are correct. Like, it's so stupid. Stupid, though, that we have to have this conversation because agenda. But also, I think this without the controversy, I don't know if Minari gets in the eyes enough of the voters to get to the Oscar stage. Well, because I think the best publicity for a movie sometimes is negative publicity, especially for a movie that's very good. And this helped because I don't remember this being that big of a deal when The Farewell got nominated. And yet, that film is primarily set in China and in Chinese. Right. So, I don't think, even though that's that was very American-made. Right? of critics and film Twitter, and that's what I call out all the time, though. But, but we're then, literally one year separated exactly. from that shit, it's right? A, it's mm-hmm. hypocritical, and that's why I call out the biases. I call out the biases on people's predictions. I call all of it out, because once someone gets their favorite, it's... They change the rules. And not that there are rules in general. What's that? No, nothing. Oh. It's just, that's why I call it out. Like, you can't change the rules to fit your personal bias. It either is or isn't. So, that's why I brought this question forward. No, I don't. But also, too, we have to remember, everything, this not just Minari, but everything this year was lucky to be here because of the coronavirus. Well, we were, well, we were lucky to have an Oscars this year. Yes, I mean, but there I'm, are many you know, films in this year that would not be here. I oh, am sure of. Oh, if yeah. a regular movie season had happened, like to be honest, 
I don't know if the Best Picture winner is the winner in a normal year. I don't know if Minari doesn't get anything but maybe a foreign language film. You know what I mean? I don't know if there's not... I'm sure half the Best Picture nominees are in jeopardy of the movie that's supposed to come out in 2020. I would say four of these nominees would make it. Mm-hmm. Four. That sounds about right. And a certain May release would be a certain May release. <laughs> Damn right it would be. It would be, it would, it would be in May. We will, we will wait for we that. We will wait for that. Um, we have a question... From Ronaldo Sosa. Hey, Ronaldo. Weird. Um, This question is for Brandon and the guest. Suck it. (laughs) Suck it. He knew. Somehow he knew. He knew. knew. Well, I also responded to it because I said, fuck my podcast. And he says, I just know what you're going to say. And he used, uh, it'll hurt my ears. Oh, (laughs) oh, Leslie Mann. Oh, we love a Leslie Mann dress. Oh, mine too. Uh, Mine too. Yeah, see. Allison Janney. We get it. Yeah, we get it. So, Ronaldo Sosa wants to know, this question is for Brandon the Guest. Would you have nominated Yuri Han for Minari over any of the actual nominees? Now, I'm going to side note this. If you say yes, don't obviously say who it would be because that would give away your ranking. But Yuri Han was pushed in supporting. Right? She was? I don't think she was. Okay. Fuck my drag. Was she? No, like, no, I'm, I don't know if she was or she wasn't. I'm just, like, shocked that she was. Well, first of all, the whole cast is supporting. Okay. It is an ensemble piece. Well, no, 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 no. We're going to go category front, and I know I'm not going to be on that episode for the men. Mm -hmm. Uh, men. Uh, but, um. It's ensemble. Steven Young's not the lead of that film. Alan Alan Kim is the the lead of that film. No, Alan Kim isn't the lead. It's his goddamn movie. It's told through his perspective. It's the whole family. That's another conversation, but I will stick with this. He, it, but Brandon here. agrees, right? Alan Kim? Alan Kim is a lead. I is a lead? That. Oh, you would think Stephen Young is. Okay. Lead, well, that's, Alan Kim is a lead. Okay. God, but he should have been. Should have been in that lineup. Okay. Answer it all, though. What, you want to go? Um, I would nominate her. Okay. Yeah. Over someone else in this category. In lead. Okay. I consider her a lead in that film. Okay. I agree with that. But I wouldn't nominate her in any over anyone in the supporting actress category. I have others that I would nominate over. I didn't ask all that. Well, you answered... <laughs> God damn it. Thank you for asking that question, Ronaldo. You understand who actually needs to have their so opinions the out on this So the reason he knew that I was going to say is because after the nominations come out, I tweeted, I was like, thank fuck Yuri Han or Dominic Fishback didn't get it because they didn't do goddamn shit in their movies. So he knew that I wasn't going to say that, that yes to that's that. That's just disrespectful. So Yuri Han, yeah, absolutely not. I mean, poor, poor one out for Dominic Fishback. She didn't do shit. What did she do? She, was she there. cried. She was there. Oh yeah, exactly. She was she seen. Was there. She was seen. There was one. If a hundred people were in the room, <laughs> she was the one. God damn it! All right. Shaka King saw her. Brandon, you're up. <laughs> Uh, next nominee. Oh. Uh, so we'll go to Olivia Coleman, nominated for The Father. This is her second of two nominations. Going into this, she doesn't win anything major, but she is recognized with the Globe, SAG, Critics' Choice, the AARP, Movies for Grown-Ups Awards, and with the Dallas-Fort Worth Film Critics. In The Father, Olivia Coleman plays Anne, the daughter of Anthony Hopkins, and she is trying to help him with his dementia and mental state and care for him and it is very difficult so joey how do you feel about olivia and the father my best actress winner of 2018 back 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 again 
Um, I love this performance. I have a personal connection with dementia. This movie hit me in a whole other way. I know I brought it up before. I've used it in examples. I just talked about it a little bit earlier with my grandma. My issue with away from or what it was away from her yeah. was that it, in my experience, it wasn't a realistic dementia experience. This is what it's like. I felt. I felt that. I the the two movies that took me the hardest this year were The Life Ahead and The Father. Sophia Loren. Oh, I. That that movie I just forget about. Personally. <laughs> so did the, so the, the Academy. Academy. And rightfully so. You know the only two branches of voters who were brave enough to give Sophia Loren a win? AARP. And the David Donatello, the Italian Academy. Damn, uh, shout out to the AARP. Um, Always. For, <laughs> for, they, they should replace know. the Globes. I mean, they really should. And also, they are just... They, always know they will be going. sponsored by all the arthritis medication. Remember, best picture, ARP. Billy Holiday versus the United States. Oh, my God. Or the United States versus Billy Holiday. They really are in the bag for... See, they're just the right amount of smart and mess. Yeah. Which is why we love them. Yeah. Combo. It's this... It's this... The it's, host. It's this show. Smart and mess. It's this show. <laughs> and, the guest, and, and then me... Smart looking at the guest. The, and then the guest <laughs> looks at it and goes, Oh, my God, what have we done? Right. So, um... The scene specifically that got me was at the end of the movie when we see Anthony Hopkins' character saying goodbye mm-hmm. and not understanding where Olivia is going. Mm-hmm. And I had I had been through that and it I had seen this movie in a screener. And then I had gone to the theater with my cousin to see it the week before the Oscars. And that was my re- big return to the theater, by the way, was seeing The Father. That was mine, too. Yeah! And, um... I think... No, I had been to the theater during the pandemic. I saw Tenet. Oh, so. God. Choices. And, um... Great choices. I, you know... When we get to Best Actor this year, I will bring up, and I'm going to just say mention mention now, but I will bring up the, the scene where he gets hit by the husband because that oh just my God. devastated made me. Made me so angry. I was paralyzed. I was crying my eyes out. But Coleman, as someone who dealt with that, I, I saw myself in that character, and I so I, I really got with the character, and I really appreciate what she did. I want to see this on stage. I want to see this father-parent universe that Florian Zeller is planning to do. Apparently the mother or something with Isabelle Huppert, I'm like, yes, give it to me. But between the father, the wife, <laughs> is Glenn Close the wife. Like, what's going on? No, but um, I think this is this is great. I love that she got that it started off as a Coleman versus Close rematch and it totally derailed and like then there was a huge huge chance that Coleman and I and I am convinced she came in second voting just because of how the father overperformed um but you know it's uh it's a great performance and i love that uh she's not a one-trick pony that many oscar winners who only win one and never come back could be and it proves that it wasn't a fluke so good for olivia coleman well i mean she did say in her speech right that this is never going to happen again but then if it happened again and it would have just been it would have been it would have been like how she started the speech i I put money down on her because it was there was a leak saying that it was going to happen and it was but the leak was right on everything except Except coleman 
Yes. Yeah. So I was like, sue that person. Yeah. So yeah. I put like, I put like two hundred dollars down on her. If I would have won that, because I did make money off of the the, the winners, I would have won like three grand. Yeah. Because of the odds. Yeah. Because of the odds. Um. God, I love Olivia Coleman. I just I think she's easily one of the best actresses we have working today. Um, you know, in between this and the favorite, she's been doing The Crown and she's been knocking it out of the park. Um, she's not going to get an Emmy for it. Oh, Fleabag, and, she's so good on oh, Fleabag. Well, Fleabag oh, season two in general. It's just perfect television. Probably but one of the best. She's perfect on it. Too. Yes, I mean, she's great. Godmother. Um, Godmother. Um, this performance is really, really, really good. Like, I love her in this movie because of what Joey just said we I've been in that situation for three grandmothers it's a lot my wife's grandmother and both of my grandmothers went this way and it was so fast this sort of retali- the it was so fast I guess the the way that they deteriorated remember like my grandmother fell Literally three months later, we were, we were saying goodbye to her. It was like that. Same with my other one. It was like a year. So, like, I've seen the varying degrees of it. And the toll it takes on a person. The emotions they run through. The relief that is never going to get off their shoulders. And then you see her partner be this asshole through it all because those people don't understand because they're selfish and it is Florian Zeller when he won that Oscar for screenplay I wanted to run through the screen and give him a hug because that it is he is someone that I I, when I walked in or walked into uh, stumbled upon my screener and I watched this movie I was ready to hate it because it just feels like a movie. And you saw it really early. I did. I saw it. I saw it at the Hamptons International Film Festival online. Shout out to the Hamptons. Um, that was what, like August. I saw it in September, Octoberish, and I remember. And I that's that's when I said Hopkins is the best actor of the year. Mm. No one's coming any close. No one did. Thank you. I was right. Um, and but that she was getting nominated too, and. I was shocked because there's one movie every year that guy over here, me, out of all the nominees, doesn't like. And it's usually something like this. Oh, well, we know you. I mean, you just, just hate like all the lineup. Um, <laughs> hate, hate, hate coming from over there. But there's one I just like, I don't understand why it's even nominated. And I thought it was going to be this. Because, every, because it feels like what? It feels like the old man vehicle to get Hopkins an Oscar, right? That's what it, it was perceived by many on Twitter to be. This movie is much more than that. It is a 90-minute horror film. That's what this movie is. It is the horror film of the decade so far. Because it's so real. It's unnerving. The editing's fantastic. But it is grounded. Because Hopkins could be a little over the top. And the performance has to be that. But it's devastating and beautiful. This performance has to be grounded and real and sad as shit. And that's what it is. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins, you know, like you said, he's giving it his all. And Olivia Coleman's performance is the 
balance that the movie needs. She is the the real character, if you want to call it that, because you know Hopkins is sort of in his dementia POV, so he's sort of in this other realm for a lot of the movie, and Coleman is the one in the quote-unquote real world that we see and sympathize with. We're the character who we put ourselves in her shoes, especially those of you who have experienced this. Um, we talk about the editing and the production design in this movie and how essential they are to how this movie is constructed and the way that it pulls off all of these emotional feats, but I think we also have to rope in Olivia Coleman with those things because we see scenes play out multiple times or we'll see what we don't realize is the end of a scene at one point and then later on we see the beginning and then the continuation into that scene we saw earlier and so Olivia Coleman has to layer her performance so that it works in both parts of the film and so there is a continuation here. So this is a much more technical performance than I think a lot of people give it credit for. It is the grounded, emotional juggernaut when it needs to be, but there's a lot of intricacy to it that I think goes unmentioned a lot of the time. Um, so I think this is a super strong performance from her. She is one of our finest actors today. Mm -hmm. um, just in the last few years, we have seen so many different sides of her, from you know The Favorite to The Crown to Fleabag to this. She seems to be one of those actors who can just do it all. And I love that for her. And the father is no exception here. She, she did what needed to be done. And she is a key component to why this movie is phenomenal. I know that I've said before that if they ever remade Virginia Woolf, I want Angela Bassett, Courtney Vance, mm -hmm. Olivia Colbert. Oh, she'd be great. Would be a great Martha. Ooh, yeah, she'd right. be fantastic. Ooh, who's George, though? Ooh, now I gotta think about that. Idris Elba. That'd be interesting. There you go. There it is. There it is. That'd be interesting. We're just I casting like that. things. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Also, just really quick thing. This is what we can pour something out to. Is that at that time when the wonderful Golden Globes were still around, <laughs> Coleman had the statistic. Right? Wasn't it Coleman that had the well, statistic that, the, that she had never lost a Golden yeah, Globe? Yeah, so I, because I, because I was on the in session with you doing that, and I predicted a sorry listeners sweep for that episode because no, 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 for that was the the write out. I, I know, and I predicted Father Sweet because it overperformed, yeah. and I specifically mentioned Coleman had never lost. Yeah, and so I had predicted her for both. It was a little you were bit stupid at that point to vote to bet against her. I did tell you though. Yes, I did tell you about. My girl, Jody. Well, well, we'll get to her. Yeah, we'll get. We'll talk because about we have her. a question about Jodie Foster. But um, we no going into the Globes before everything started. You were you were dumb to bet against Olivia. Oh Clark. yeah, I mean one hundred percent. The way it overperformed. You, you dying there, Joe? Yes. Sorry, we're live and we're seeing like Joe basically like having almost, a stroke. Having oh. a stroke. <laughs> My nose just went insane. A little yun there, yeah. um, but. Um, no, I mean, she, it was before this all started, before Yun went on her path, like you said, it was a Coleman, um, Hippoly Elegy, Glenn Close fight. Well, no, not even that. It was, it was kind of like that, but, not, but even, but the field was so wide yes. open at Globes that, so you have to go and find something. And the fact that they went with Zeller in a lot of places, they went for picture, they went for Hopkins and they went for her. Mm -hmm. That's a clear sign that even though it didn't get anything on that night, 
They clearly love the hell out of it, and it should have shown us down the road that Sony Pictures Classic, they did a damn good job. We all thought they were like, why the hell isn't anyone seeing this movie? Why isn't anybody getting the screeners? You want to know why? They didn't give the screeners to the fucking critics. They gave it to the people that mattered. But you still have to also That's realize great. that I, and we'll, bring Love it up, it. we'll bring it up again when we get to leave because there's a certain actress nominee who filmed Twitter with Gaga for. And Gaga was nominated? <laughs> Oh, you have to still remember that the biggest part of the voting block is the old white people branch. Yeah, and this is terrifying. That this <laughs> is their shit. Well, so as this is their well, shit. well, it is. But also, it's like if I'm an older member of the Academy and I see this one, I see Anthony Hopkins. I nominated him for playing a freaking pope the year before, and he wasn't really that good in it. And then I and then here, 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 <laughs> and then I see this and I go, okay. Uh, this is like what could happen to me in like five minutes. I'm scared shitless. Uh, I'm going to vote for that before I forget about it. You know what I mean? So that's... Puns! <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. What do you think, Brandon, about the whole thing? I thought it was played really smartly. Yeah. Um, I thought... So when everyone was complaining that no one had seen The Father, um, I kind of agreed with you. It didn't really matter. The people who hadn't seen it aren't really the ones doing the voting for the major industry awards. Mm-hmm. So, and I think Sony was trying to build a narrative of this movie that no one had seen that mm-hmm. only existed in theory. Mm-hmm. And then everyone right at the very end saw it. Oh. And then it was fresh and it was still had struck a chord and people were still feeling the after effects of the film. And uh, that led to its overplaying on nomination morning and no one no one was predicting it because the people who do the predicting had not seen it and shout out to florian zeller for making a 90 minute movie that's i mean for god's sakes so many of these fucking movies are so long thank you john shout out to the 90 minute movies the 90 minute movies are the best i mean and that was so great is that that movie could literally overstay its welcome at any point. Mm. It could feel repetitive. It doesn't. It's so fresh. Joey's right. I have to see the cinematic universe of the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Say that again. The, I got to see the Father, the Son, the and the part. Holy Ghost. Uh, this is a great ninety minute movie. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's it's Joey's right. I don't want any that screen or like cut out. I want that as my ringtone. Well, you're the one who edits the damn. I do not. I do that. Oh, Brent. Oh, well, you can take that out. Of oh, okay. I'll just bleep it. Yeah. You know what? It's like a big Joey bleep. <laughs> so our next supporting actress is Glenn Close, nominated for Hillbilly Elegy. This was her last chance of eight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I had said in the 2018 episode, I was like, with Eric Anderson, took him totally by surprise. <laughs> And this is Glenn's seventh and last nomination, so I love that we're just continuing. <laughs> that was just a special shout out for our good friend Kevin Jacobson. Love you, Kevin. Love you, Kev. Love you, Eric. So uh, Glenn does not win anything major going into this, but she is recognized with uh, Golden Globe, SAG, Critics' Choice, AARP, and with the Razzies. Oh, she got AARP <laughs> and the Razzies. I forgot about the Razzie. <coughs> and in Hillbilly Elegy, oh. Glenn plays uh, Mama, uh, the sassy grandmother of this family. So, 
Brian, how do you feel about good old Glenn and Hillbilly oh, Elegy? Oh my god. I totally forgot we had to actually talk about this performance. Even though I've, I can clearly see it on my board here. I can clearly see it in the... It's, And I really actually haven't talked about it. Uh-uh. That's kind of crazy. As I just, I've just been saying there's no way that she could have won for a movie like that. Okay, look. She's actually good in this movie. Like, crazy enough. I think she's actually the only good thing about this movie. Because the rest of this movie is garbage. Alright? It's probably the one of the... It's not the worst film in the world. It's just Twitter sees all these movies and they give it all five stars. And then they see something that's middle of the road. And they want to call it the worst thing imaginable. And in a year where we didn't have a lot of the blockbuster fare that is shit, you know... Uh, come out they gravitate towards this thing there was sort of a hate for this movie originally just for the you know the, the the screenshots we saw ahead of time the fact that this whole sort of campaign about Glenn is getting tired of the fact that this woman desperately needs an Oscar like that was the thing is she didn't need to win any precursors she had done her whole fucking campaign two years before so, and she was never going to win anything for this movie because of the reviews and how it was treated. But it goes back to what you were saying about the father, Joe. This movie is tailor-made for the older block of the Academy, the Republican side of the Academy, especially because they... Dude, like, we saw a lot of that come out this year. Yeah, there was a lot of never red. really sometimes always. always. Yeah, with all that. Yeah. And so it was when people were trying at the last second mm-hmm. to take Glenn out of their predictions, their final predictions, I was like... I think I ended up doing it, but it was only because I just felt like the movie was vulnerable Not in a lot of I had her out of predictions. But I was like, there was something about it that I didn't feel right about it. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look at them. I, like, I don't give a shit about them, really. I, Joey knows this. Predictions, I don't care about yep. uh, for nominations. I care about predictions for wins. Because exactly. if you because if you can predict the winners and you get them right, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> then you get then you know what you're talking about as opposed to uh, film Twitter um, this performance is, is fine it gave me the line of the year not a good Terminator or a bad Terminator or neutral Diane Weist for I Care A Lot I think has the line of the year you crock a cunt <laughs> that is the line of I, the I th- year I think this one is though like okay. I mean and her saying hasta la vista baby like look I'm not a James Cameron fan <laughs> but the fact that, like, this character made that. And then I do think, like, the scene in the car where she's with young JD and she's uh, going, you're going to be somebody? Or, you know, or you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that that's a, a really good scene. And I do love, love her yelling at Amy Adams in this movie. Like, it's like, it's it's what... Amy Adams' agent should be doing at her for picking the roles that she's been picking the last four years. Yelling at her like, what are you doing with your life? You piece of shit. You know what I mean? So... Okay, but Sharp Objects in the last four years... I mean, it was great. I love Sharp Objects. But I'm just saying, movie-wise. But even if, like, Amy Adams is your favorite actress in the world, you... You You gotta say... You gotta say that she's... You gotta say that she's made some stinkers. Yeah, I mean, just Vice alone. She was the best part of Vice, though. But she's barely in it. Yes. Yeah. 
I don't know. Sam Rockwell eating that chicken was really good. He's my runner up. Yeah. I'd never seen barbecue chicken eaten so well in the state of Texas. But anyway, back uh, close. Fine. I remember watching this movie and I texted you, mm-hmm. Brandon. I had gotten to the part, there's a part in, in Hillbilly Elegy where J.D. Vance is, him and his mom, Ms. Amy Adams, leave the baseball card shop. And then they get into that fight in the car, and then he runs out into a house, and she comes after, and the cops are called. And I texted you, and I said, well, I'm fucked, because if I ever happen to have a biographical film made of me, that part in that movie actually happened to me in real life. And I am, I can't put that in. Hmm. That can no longer be in there. And I was like, fuck this movie. <laughs> but no, because of that, there was that. But also, this movie is not good. It's not. It's um, a heaping pile of trash. Here we go. Glenn Close is so goddamn good in this movie. She is the best thing about this movie. Even if the movie had been good, I still think Glenn Close would have been the best thing in this movie. She is feisty as Mama. I liked her as Mama. I appreciated what she was doing here. She's funny. She's serious. I felt her. And this is that type of performance that I always have talked about since season one. You have to make what you have work. I, I've said it before. Like, I'm not a give an Oscar for a scene, but if you only have a scene, make that scene work. Convince me why you earned this. Mm-hmm. She convinced me why she got this nomination. I'm not mad at this nomination, I'm mad at the film. I really like her. This might be my favorite Glenn Close nomination. No, I forgot about Dangerously Eisons. Never mind. That's it. This is my second. Yeah. I think Glenn is doing the absolute best with what she has to work with. Because uh, this movie is far from good. Mm-hmm. Um, it is messy in all the wrong ways. It is not well made. And, uh, I mean, I have feelings about J.D. Vance just being someone from rural conservative Ohio. I went into this movie with a little bit of baggage. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I was already probably not going to like it, even if, even if it had been well-made. I was going to have feelings about the way it depicted certain things mm-hmm. and the way it told his story his way. Um, so, yeah, not a huge fan of the movie, but I think Glenn is doing quite well here. She is feisty. She is giving the movie every bit of flavor and zest that it absolutely needs because it is bland as hell and just all over the place in all the wrong ways. But Glenn, every time she's on screen, I was actually somewhat interested in what was happening. When she wasn't there, I did not give a shit. I was actively tuning out or actively mad at what I was seeing. But um, Glenn does not deserve any shit for this from me. I agree. Or myself. Yeah. Also, LOL at the SAG nomination for Amy Adams. First of all, she's supporting. Mm-hmm. She's not a lead. I, the- I was saying that shit before the movie came out because I had read the book and she is in literally two chapters. And when she was being... When it was announced before the movie you was even too. out. I forgot about that. When the movie, yeah. before it even came out, before anyone saw it and she was being campaigned already as lead and people were putting her in her lead predictions, I was like... Y'all need to watch the movie 
because I don't know if they wrote some extra shit, uh -huh. but she's literally in two chapters in young JD's life. Now, the movie mainly does focus on his youth, doesn't quite focus on his adult life as much as the memoir does. Mm -hmm. So they did kind of give her a little they more. They padded it out. Yeah. So they did do a little padding, but I knew like from the get-go, like there's no way she's a lead because she not only is she in very little of the book it's not from her point of view whatsoever right none of this makes sense but of course you know the internet's gonna say things before they know anything but well, yeah well i mean did you hear he's running for senate i i knew he would got my vote i'm now facing i am now as the ohio resident here <laughs> facing a possible jd vance senate or senator he's kind of a joke within the gop though so i don't know yeah. how far it'll get but he's He's loud enough to be an asshole. He's got a movie. And now he's got a Ron Howard. Yeah, and we know the Republicans love to vote in a celebrity. But but guys, shout out to the to her Amy Adams on rollerblades in a hospital. Okay, I have taken Percocet before and never have I wanted to rollerblade. In a hospital. I don't know. General. Were you given the option to do it? Shut up. <laughs> Moving on. Our next nominee is Maria Bakalova, nominated for Borat. I'm not saying the whole thing. Do it, do it, do it. I don't even know the whole title. I didn't write it down, so there. It's her, uh, go ahead. Borat, subsequent movie film, delivery a prestigious bride to American regime to make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Should have put it on an Oscar. Yeah. The fact that Priyanka Chopra, by the way, had to it, keep saying, saying it, it because the luck of the draw was... <laughs> You know they flipped a coin at home for the order, and she said it. What was it? Three times? Two times? Two times. Screenplay. Screenplay. Screenplay and eight fucking screenwriters. Too. Yeah, and she said. I just wanted every, that to win the screenplay to see how they would have done it. I would have. Yeah, like we would have had like six different cameras for four probably. inch Legit. font. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight screenwriters. Eight, yeah, was eight. Right. He was right. I just love that they all started laughing. At the Oscars, for how many goddamn writers were in this movie, and this movie is 96 minutes long. Anyway, this just my point. Sorry. And most of it's improv. Most of it's, and that's the thing. It's mostly improv. WGA nominated screenplay, though. It won. It won. That's right. It won. And yet people still wrote it off as not a possible chance. I'm like, no, you don't get to change your rules because you got biases. Sorry. I was being ahead of myself. Go ahead, Brandon. All right. Ooh. So. <laughs> Miss Maria wins with the National Society of Film Critics and with the New York Film Critics Circle. She's also uh, nominated with the Globes, BAFTA, SAG, and the Dallas-Fort Worth Film Critics, and basically everywhere else. In Borat, she plays Tutar. Is that how you say Tutar. It? And she is the daughter of Borat, and she says many outrageous things in a funny way. So, Joey, how do you feel about Maria? There are certain moments in my life where I am very proud of sticking to my guns and never giving up. And I got laughed at. I got told it was never going to happen. From the day, the day that they surprised everyone with dropping Borat 2. And I had seen that. I had texted you. I had called you. I started tweeting about it. Maria Bakalova was getting an Oscar nomination possible win for this. No one believes me. Well, to be fair, I believed you because I'm in my right. early predictions, I did have her, my first set of predictions, I had her winning. Which is fine, yeah. but I'm talking about in general. Yeah. 
The fact that she was the only person in this category to not only hit all the major precursors, all the major critic precursors, all the major industry precursors. Nana, na fucking boo boo. I was right. You guys were wrong. Not you guys here, obviously, but I was so proud of that. I also don't want to totally take credit, but Ryan knows as our editor. I had pitched this idea uh, maybe about a month or two before the Globe nominations had come out for In Session Film to do FYC ads. And I said, let me do it with Maria Bakalova. Because I knew that they were pushing Maria Bakalova for supporting. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh. She is the lead in this movie. This movie is about her character. This movie, if you take her character out, Borat's subsequent movie film becomes Borat's subsequent short. Because there, the chunk of it, more than the chunk of it, is about how does, or how does, how does Borat get Tutar ready to be sold to McDonald Trump? <laughs> it's McDonald Trump, I totally forgot about McDonald that. McDonald Trump. You take Tutar out of this movie, you know what the movie's about? Borat shows up to America, then gets killed because his, his, his mission from his home country doesn't get to happen. Or the fact that Sasha Baron Cohen can't be looked at on the street right. anymore because Without of Tutar, that movie. there is no movie. So I was like, she's a lead. She's a lead. So I write the FYC ad. It goes pretty well, actually. I, he, Ryan had called me and was like, this was a lot of traffic for this. Good job. I sent it to Bakalova's publicity team and Amazon's publicity team. They read it. The next week, two weeks after that, it comes out saying they're pushing her for lead and supporting at the, or lead at the Golden Globes. Now, I don't want to take full credit for that, but I'm going to because it was announced that she was going supporting for all the awards. My stuff got sent to them. I talked to that publicity team. I talked to Amazon. They then put her in lead. You're welcome. That's what I get for being such a good put her in lead for Globes. For Globes. But still, she was not going to be in lead for Globes. She was going in supporting. That's where they were putting her. But you were... But I mentioned it in the FYC ad. I mentioned it in that. And they did not change that until after I talked to them two weeks later. So I'm just going to say, as a very influential person in this industry, go fuck yourselves. With that said, Bakalova is gold. She is hilarious. This this type of humor and comedy needs more recognition across the board from all people. Tiffany Haddish, Girls Trip, Melissa McCarthy, Jonah Hill. We've seen this before. It happens. To say that this is a one-off every decade is a bit of a stretch because it's happened in the last couple years. But it needs to happen like we keep fucking nominating Shakespeare roles. Or keep nominating the prostitute. Or keep nominating the nun. Or keep nominating even... Oh, is that the next Florian Zeller film? The Prostitute? The Prostitute. Yeah, there you go. I'm just saying. This is glorious benefit of make <laughs> benefit Kazakhstan. This is an amazing on-key performance. Brava. I had no idea. I don't think any of us knew that we had any idea that this movie was coming out. I think what I had saw during the pandemic was there was a Trump rally and there was a leaked video of the Wuhan flu song. And everyone was like, 
the first video reaction was like, what the hell's going on at this rally? And then it was revealed that it was Sasha Baron Cohen. I'm like, oh, he has something up his sleeve. And then it was revealed that it was a Borat sequel. And I went, okay. Because, you know, he had done that This Is America or Made in America or whatever that show that he did on Showtime was. And he really hasn't made a lot of great stuff. He does, like, bits that are funny. But movie-wise, he hasn't really done one that's hit me since since Bruno. Bora. I wasn't a fan of Bruno. It's, it hasn't just aged well for me, I guess. But Bruno uh, was a hit when it came out, but it's not remembered like Borat. Yeah, Borat is a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. And one of the better comedies of that decade. It still is fucking hilarious. And then the Rudy Giuliani stuff comes out. And the Rudy Giuliani <laughs> stuff comes out. Yeah, evidently, if you could pick that up, uh, <laughs> Brandon's neighbor is dying in the background. Uh, don't so smoke kids. Don't smoke kids or talk about Rudy Giuliani. Either, either way, kind of perfect. <laughs> um, but she was disgusted. She was like, "Oh my God, Rudy!" Um, must be her lawyer. Must have her on a retainer. Um, but anyway, no. And I remember that. This was another thing. You forgot. I don't know if you remember this or you remember this. Well, you're mostly Brandon out of all this, so that makes sense where you would remember it. But when the news came out about Rudy Giuliani, I kept going on Twitter saying, stop spoiling this goddamn film. I haven't seen it yet. And I remember some people on Twitter and around the world telling me, it's national news. I said, no, it's a movie spoiler. It's not, it's not, it's not going to, Borat was not going to put Rudy Giuliani in jail. Other stuff within the Trump organization was going to do that. It's no different than Rand Paul wasn't going to jail or Dick Cheney wasn't going to jail for doing these skits. It was a quick, nice head. It was a headline. It was shocking. It's not surprising given who Rudy Giuliani is, but it's sort of, I would have liked to seen that gag and I would have been shocked by that gag if I'd just seen the movie. Knowing that that was going to happen, going into it, I was like, well, evidently there's this girl in this movie with him that's doing this stuff. So that's how I knew about Maria Baklova, how we all knew about her from up front is that there's this girl in this movie. Then you watch the film. It's not a Borat film. It's a two-tar film. It's a two-tar film. Mm-hmm. She is the reason why that film works. Because he's not even Borat half the film, or majority of the film. He's in other disguises because, he, as he shows in the beginning, he can't be in regular disguise anymore as Borat. So he's... So what's really great about Sasha Baron Cohen's performance is it's Sasha Baron Cohen playing Borat, playing these characters. It's a very role within a role, but she's great. I mean... All the funny things in this film are really from her. The, the, the period di- dance. The period dance. The talking the, to the Republican women about fingering your fingering your, your, your vagina, vagina. Swallowing the little baby. Swallowing the little baby. The book. The Facebook. The, the, the Facebook. <laughs> no, but the book about... The Melania. <laughs> that if you rub oh, your vagina... You get sucked in your vagina. You get sucked in, yeah. you know, and... I mean, you kind of... I have know. the biggest titties, like you said, and... <laughs> I, wait, hold on. It's, uh... I am going to have the surgery to get me the biggest titties so my daddy can send me to American men. 
You're going to have plastic surgery? Yes. Yeah. When? Now! <laughs> but what I said to y'all, though, is Perfect. the funniest thing in that film. It gets me every time. It's her screaming in the car <laughs> while her babysitter, her female babysitter is driving her. And her just going, <laughs> It is by far yep. the funniest damn thing because it's it's just so good and it's so sexist. And it's but it's so on point for the character. And yeah, then the Rudy Giuliani stuff, the fact that she had to do that scene and put up with that. And it's weird because like there was this whole thing about consent or like, you know, is Baron Cohen pushing her to do this or whatever? No, she's really the one in control of the scene mm-hmm. and in trying to get, they're trying to get, she's doing nothing more different than Bruno taking off his pants for Rand Paul. She's trying to get their honest reactions to the scandalous thing. The problem is all those previous ones before said, fuck off, I'm leaving. Rudy literally went to the bed because of her and she was going to expose him for that. Mm-hmm. That's insane, but it also just shows how far gone America's mayor really is. And so it's a performance that people shit on all year long. So there were certain people that rolled their eyes at this nomination. Um, to that I say, get over yourself. That's nice that you don't uh, consider comedy, but that's the problem. With thinking like that, then the Academy doesn't nominate performances like this on a consistent basis. We don't celebrate comedy nearly as much. Then there's some stupid shit about, oh, maybe we should have comedy categories at the Oscars. No, just celebrate them, nominate them when they are some of the best performances of the year, period. And it's a breakthrough performance. I'm glad she's going to be doing uh, more work. Fuck, I love this movie. It's so fucking funny. I mean, she's the reason that I like the movie. Like, I was not the biggest fan of the original Borat or Bruno. For some reason, it just wasn't my taste, I guess. Not a Sasha Baron Cohen fan? Not in general. Um, I understand why Borat became the phenomenon that it did, and I get the appeal of Bruno. It just was never really for me. Mm -hmm. So going into the second one, I wasn't... I didn't really have the biggest expectations. Um, I was kind of watching because it kind of was the moment and this whole conversation about Maria was going on in relation to the award season and whether or not she would get things. Um, So I watched the movie, and I was impressed and kind of blown away by her humor and the fact that she just kind of came from nowhere and delivered this hysterical performance and completely sold me. Um, I like this Borat film more than the first one specifically because of her um, without her again like you're saying I don't know how the movie would function without her but just in general without her I don't know that this movie would have any appeal um, because she she does everything she needs to and adds layers to this movie that in my opinion the first one did not have and um, I think this is a well deserved nomination I'm glad that we're recognizing things like this and uh, like you're saying if the people who consider themselves, you know, Oscars, traditionalists, institutionalists, if if they're not willing to open their minds, then nothing's going to change. 
And it, you know, it has to start somewhere. Well, I just want to make a quick comment on that because I got really... I didn't get upset at the Golden Globes because she lost it, but I did get upset with the reaction from people about... From person. People. Places. Things. No, because... Okay. I'm... I, Specifically referring to here, and the, the oh, thing is, oh, boy. oh I, I don't care. Okay. The thing is, is like I wasn't. But... He doesn't take up space in my mind about this. I really don't give two shits about what he has to say. But my thing is, is that when you have a reaction, and I'm using him as the example here because it was, it's it was venomous. It was venomous to the point where people in film Twitter were. DMing each other or texting each other, like, what is this issue it with was, this person? It was. When that's you, why I'm. That's why I'm using a name yeah. here because it, it specifically goes with. With well, it's worlds. when you take your personal yes. into your preferential. Yes, and, and my I think, thing. And my I thing, agree with that. My thing with the Globes is, is that you claim to be a feminist. You claim to be for women. You claim to do all of. But then you don't see the most anti-feminist thing the Globes did this year yeah. by not giving her the award because they gave the award to Borat, the film. They gave the award to Sasha Baron Cohen. But let a woman do that type of comedy and that's not allowed. By giving it to Rosamund Pike, who was very good in I Care A Lot, I do not dislike her, it showed how anti-feminist the Golden Globes looked at that. By saying men, yes. Women, nope. And that was my issue with him and then people who thought like him for this type of award. Because I'm a very big proponent of comedy because comedy is harder to do than drama. Yes. And... Not for us who are naturally funny. I mean, we are very funny. I mean, you and I... Right. We're headlining festivals around the country. Yes, I am headlining festivals now. I get paid. To uh, I mean, but how much is the cover for you? It's stadium <laughs> no, no, for no. us, baby. I'm tired. That's a ticket, baby. That's not my. That's not my booking. <laughs> I will. I, I will get you a hold of my manager if you want to know my booking fee. But it's no. Okay. But that's it's. And, and the thing is, it's not a personal grab at him. I'm using him as the example because that's no, no, what I, we I, all experience and watch. That I can think of our listeners also to knowing right offhand because we got DMs and AQ about it. We got texts about it. I, I mean, I got people and telling like, me about I, it. He doesn't yeah. take space, but I'm going to use it as an example now. So there it is. You have to go into comedy and put your personal biases aside, whether it be or whether it be anyone else. You have to experience. Not me. Not you. You have to, ex- you have to take in the performances. Like, I don't like a certain movie that we're going to talk about, but that doesn't mean I don't like performance. So, you have to put your biases aside because you're not a critic at that point. You're a fanboy. End of story. For me, at least. I mean, you're not wrong. I know this. Because, because this is what happened this year. This is the thesis of 2020. Mm-hmm. Is people take People were inside too much. Mm-hmm. Because of the pandemic and everything, obviously you have to be safe. Continue to wear a mask if you need to. Um... But obviously go to a theater because they need your help. Um, the fact is that a lot of people, and it really just drove me nuts, took their personal opinions about movies and put them into their predictions. And took this from a lot of people that know what they're talking about to a lot of biases. Mm-hmm. 
And so then when people see that you are, which we'll talk about in actress, when we get to that lineup, when we're literally talking about, or at least I was talking about it all year, Joe, when you were talking about it all year, Brandon, thank God you were stating out of that. Thank God Brandon doesn't suck. He is the best of us. I know. Is, he watches from the sidelines and just eats his popcorn. He's like, mm, you are idiots. Um, you know what I mean? But no, it's that it goes back to that. Then these people think that you're thinking like them. When you're like, no, 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 no. I'm playing the game the way it's been played for 93 fucking years. You've decided in the 93rd that it's the personal That's ballots why of you. I call it out. Well, I understand but that. Then I'm the bad guy. But for then I have people. Up. Well, then I have people come on my show and think that I hate things that I don't hate. Mm. And then I get literally. It, it felt like threats. It felt like uh, it felt was like stress. I was getting threatened, and I was like, Fuck I got all I got shit on Twitter from people I don't even yes. follow, and it's fans of other places. Yes, and I sat there. And it still hurts because I sit there and I went, I've done nothing different than I've done the last three years, guys, of what I what I do for predicting and stuff. So the fact that they perceive me to be biased, no fucking way. Yeah. I'm not biased. Yeah. I see the race the way I see it, the way I see it through everyone's predictions that I read, the the you know the people that I know that talk to Academy members, the voters that I talk to, the, all these different things. I add it all up, I put out them, and I go down the river. They have no, I mean, sh- shit. I think this Oscar season is fine, but look at my top 10, top 20 a year. Look at my acting categories. I fucking included small acts in that shit, um, you know, because I think that those are five movies and not a, a miniseries. So those weren't even fucking here. You know, there, there's tons of things that I did on my personal ballots that do not reflect the Oscars. But I'll talk about that, you know, that in a little bit. And in how that Best Actress lineup was a lot of fun for us this year. <laughs> but it was also fucking infuriating. And when it goes to something like Maria Baklova, that is gatekeeping at its finest. To have literally one of the best surprise, wonderful performances of the year... And just say no, and roll your eyes, and hiss, and bitch, and moan about a movie that look. If you just didn't like it, it's fine. Why do you have to have anger towards it and think that it's less of like? Did you think that sci-fi roles or westerns or? I would like to ask for that though, because no. I think there is a difference when we get to talking about *Promise of a Woman*, where my anger towards that film is a personal anger because it affects me in a but way. it doesn't affect your bias towards predicting the film right because I predicted the film in supporting oh, I'm sorry in, in screenplay, screenplay that whole season sorry. up until the nobody wanted before. to see that right? right nobody wanted to see that but that my my dislike to the film didn't shadow what I could have seen happen or could have understood that's what I try to call out. That's all I'm saying. That that's it. Like you have to, you have to, you can't call yourself a critic if you let your personal biases completely overshadow the credit where the credit is due. Mm-hmm. And Maria Bakalova had her due credit here. 
Brandon, what's your favorite scene with Maria Bakalova in this film? Ben Dynamo. Oh, I like when the, the baby's inside her and they go to the doctor and... Uh... My, I love when she eats the cupcake and she goes, oh. And she like realizes that she ate the baby. <laughs> so good. What is your no means yes section? Yeah. <laughs> that is not the last at the bag. It's, it's so good. I mean, like, why don't we get more comedic performance? Here's the thing, though. We could have a Tutar movie now. There could be enough Tutar to do a Borat 3. I say that in quotes. You guys can't see this. But it's Tutar's film. Sasha Baron Cohen is past being able to do another Borat film. But you could do another Tutar film. Maria Bakalova is not as recognizable as Sasha Baron Cohen was after the first Borat, Mm -hmm. where you could still go to certain areas of the country and no one would have any idea who she is Mm -hmm. in the way that you could not do with... Mm-hmm. because he became such a phenomenon. I mean look at Tutar in the beginning of the film how she looked compared to the Rudy Giuliani scene that went viral well also too right I'm just gonna say this flat out even with the makeup I'm looking at the end of Tutar Maria Bakalova looks totally different she is also when you take it all off and the way that she did this award season and everything she is stunning gorgeous beautiful that Oscar dress fucking floor best dress for me of the, oh, year, of the night yeah I mean not even close you know it was worst dress they said Andrew Day was worse dress, and I did not think. I thought it was more of a, a sexy dress. I thought it was a great dress for her. I thought it was this, uh, our best original screenplay winner. That's uh, no, you know. Oh, she was, wasn't she pregnant though? Yeah, yeah but That's but rude. I mean, That's rude. but I mean, I mean, look, look sore, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, look at Natalie did. Portman's dress. She was pregnant. No, she didn't, she, show, she didn't show up for. Uh, I thought she was. She wasn't there. No, 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 no for Black Swan. Black Swan. Swan. She was pregnant when she accepted that ugly dress. Too that plum ass dress. Better, it's better than, uh, you know, what you're taking down to the valley for, Land, Land for lunch. Oh. She, she couldn't get to the tailor. I mean... Listen, no one looked worse than Halle Berry. That wig and oh. that dress. Well, I didn't, I didn't care for Mulligan's, like... Um, I didn't... A lot of them were... nearly did the Academy because when after they did the... The, 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 the lighting! The lighting, she was all... She wasn't lit. She was in darkness. Did you notice that? No, I don't remember Go that. back to watching Francis McDormand winning the Oscar in that clip... After all the clips, or oh, they didn't even do the clips, after the reaction oh shots. Oh my god, don't even get me started. I no fucking that. clips. When the reaction shots of who's going to win, everyone's lit, and then Carrie Mulligan's in the corner <laughs> in complete blackness. Mm-mm. Hilarious. I'm still not over the clips. Guys, we haven't even finished this category yet. That's okay. I'm just saying, I love the conversation it's been. <laughs> and you thought this was going to end at 12.30. We have an hour <laughs> till I lose that prediction. <laughs> And we have Let's one more supporting actress. And still a whole other category. And a whole other category. And we haven't even gotten to the questions. And then the rankings. And the questions. Oh, Jesus. Oh, you're in for a ride, people. It has been a long time since you got an episode it's like this. It's been a long day. Oh, no. Yeah. I just took a drink. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was going to sing that Fast 7 song. Amanda Seyfried still needs to be taken yeah, that, he almost fun. forgot about her when I we did. were doing the pre. So it makes sense that she's last. Well, well, yeah, because I was making my list and I, I couldn't remember who I was forgetting. How dare you? And uh, that would be Amanda Seyfried, nominated <laughs> here for Mank. Uh, going into this, she doesn't win anything, but she is up at the Globes, uh, Critics' Choice, Los Angeles Film Critics, National Society of Film Critics, and with the Dallas Fort Worth Film Critics. This is her first and <laughs> only nomination, and she plays Marion Davies. Uh, wife to William Randolph Hearst, and um, Ryan, how do you feel about her and Nick? Wife? Isn't, are they Are they married? I thought that was like muse. Oh, uh, I don't know. Like girlfriend. I don't know because I still think that uh, Jane Fonda is married to uh, Ted Turner, ja, uh, Jason Robards, yeah. and Julia, and apparently, or their father and daughter, and apparently they're I'm, married. I'm not fucking Karina Longworth. Don't look at me. 
I don't know. I think you could pull off that show. <laughs> it's not that hard. Sometimes just like, use just some... use Ryan just use Ryan Johnson's money. Ooh. And uh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying he's got a lot of it now. He's making knives out 700 or whatever. Um, okay, so clearly, I already know this because we were talking last night. Um, maybe I do. Maybe I don't. I don't know. There was some shade thrown around. There's always shade thrown around this movie. Oh, yeah, they weren't married according to Wikipedia. They weren't married? Okay. No. Knew it. Um, partners with him. Partners, yeah. For like 40 fucking years. Goddamn. Damn. She's trying to get that. She's trying to get that Murray. Um, is, I know that people don't like Mink. It was the most, it wasn't the most divisive film. I think people had their expectations high on the film because of the fact that the last film that David Fincher did, everybody just like goes gaga over for, and that's Gone Girl. And it's been a long time since David Fincher has made a movie. David Fincher is one of the best directors we have working today. Um, it's just the truth. Um, I went in to his filmography. We did it on extra film. We watched every single one of his films leading up to Mank. And there were so many good movies in that filmography I mean, something like Gone Girl, which a lot of people love, was like seven on the list. And I got real appreciation for like Ben Button and, of course, Social Network's a masterpiece. And Girl with Dragon Tattoo is fantastic. And Seven's great. Fight Club is still... I still wrestle with Fight Club. But... Don't forget the game. Criterion Collection, the game. Alien 3. I love Alien, Alien 3. Alien 3 is bullshit. Shut up. Alien 3, much better than Aliens. Get up. You're off. Bye. I'll pick up my key. I'll take the David Fincher film over the James Cameron film any day of the week. Oh, God. And, uh... Okay, the, okay. But... They're biased. Well, I will say the game is actually my least favorite David Fincher film. Okay. It's because... It's because it follows... I think it's After fine. 7, and I feel like it's just trying to be a 7 ripoff. Like for in terms of suspense and twists and turns and stuff like that, but um, but that's just I know I'm in the minority on that one. Um, now when it comes to Mank, people wanted this to be like Orson Welles versus Mank, and that's not what this movie is. And I knew that going in, and I absolutely love this film. I think that this is one of the best films of the year. I had it at my number two film of the year. I think that this is the best film nominated in the picture lineup. I think that this is a movie, by the end of the decade, we will have a reappreciation for it, and people will consider it as one of them, one of the better films of the decade. Um, I also just think that it, it's beautifully done, and Gary Oldman's fantastic in the film as well. But the true heart of this film is Amanda Seyfried, and her role as Marion Davies, who's just fantastic in this film, it's also a true definition of a supporting role for me because she is in this for like four or five scenes or like three or four scenes, but they all are so impactful. Like the scene at like, I guess the dinner with William Rent or it's like the, they're in the room with Louis B. Mayer and all the friends are sitting around there. Great scene. Her outside with Mank. Great scene. Uh, then you have the, where he's getting drunk and she's just kind of sitting there seeing the car, the movie set, the movie set, but then the scene at the tree to me seals the film up. It explains that relationship so perfectly. She's fantastic in it. She was the front runner 
in a lot of people's minds. A lot of people had her penciled in as like the young ingenue pick. She definitely is the, well, it's her and Baklova are the young ingenue, but she's more of the, she's been in this industry for now like 10, 15 years. She finally gets her due. You know, be, and speaking of comedic performances, she should have been nominated for fucking Mean Girls. She's fantastic in Mean Girls. Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, she's fantastic in that. I, I'm not fantastic. Yes, but even people say like, or um, Tina Fey screenplay. I'm like, even that's a stretch for me. No, that movie's great. Um, one of the better comedies of the last decade, or the I, last two. Well, movies. I agree. Um, and um, but she's she's the heart and soul of this film. I I really like this performance. Okay. So, Meg's a piece of shit. Citizen Kane is a piece of shit. So, it's fitting that this movie is a piece of shit. So are these takes. However, despite it being a piece of shit, Seifert is the best thing about this movie. The only reason why I would ever revisit this piece of shit is Seifert. Because it's a piece of shit. Joe, do you like David Fincher? No, yes. I almost said David Fincher. You almost said David Fincher. Put it on! Put it on well, the audio the now! The best Fincher film, in my opinion, is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I think it is. Did you ever see the original? Yes. Okay. I was just. Because usually a lot of people like the original, but I like Fincher's better. I think Fincher's remake of Dragon Tattoo is the perfect example of how no, it can make English. something, how it can be better by not only following the book a little more closely, making it your own. Man. And Rooney. And Rooney. Rooney was my winner that year. Rooney. And. Miss Phoenix. <laughs> River! Oh, no! He was doing that in the car on the way up here. Because you were talking about how like, we couldn't believe that Joaquin and Rooney had a kid, but at least they gave No, him. that's not what you said. Say what you said. I said I can't believe that Rooney and Joaquin oh, okay. have a kid. I thought you said I couldn't believe Ro- uh, Joaquin banged Rooney and got a kid out of that or something that's like that. That's the same thing, just what? different wording. <laughs> but at least they gave us the rebirth of River Phoenix. So I was like, River, that's what that was. And then, saying. yeah, and I kept saying every time he mentions that, it makes me extremely depressed and sad because it's like, oh my god. Because like, River. Because River. Um, but yeah, I think Dragon 2 is the best. But um Amanda Seyfried is really good here. Um I, I it really even going into this Oscar season, I was thinking of this. I was like, why people just think she's a lock is very odd to me. Um this felt like one of those performances where you knew she was getting the nomination but then after the Globes it was quiet because she didn't get anything else and then she popped up and people were like oh well this is just the nomination that's not what you were saying in the beginning of the season Mm -hmm. it was like she was the lock she was this this and that I will have to say I really do like her I think she's funny where she needs to be funny she's serious where she should be serious my favorite part about this nomination though is the tweet that I had sent out about this because it, it we got a lot of traffic off that tweet that was like Lindsay Lohan sees Amanda Seyfried get a, a nomination and calls her or is chain smoking cigarettes in Dubai saying I will not be the last mean girl after Lisa Chabray to get a nomination and then guess what Lindsay Lohan got a job so also you're welcome um, I don't know if that's something to celebrate. I'm just saying, Lindsay Lohan's a great actress. I had said on the way here, I think that if shit did not derail, we would see her and Jennifer Lawrence spot right now. 100%. But, Seyfried is great. I do like Seyfried and Mank. Um, I just, I don't dislike Mank. I don't actively hate it by any means. I just think it's okay. Yeah. Like, I think it's technically very well made. Fincher obviously knows what he's doing. He's 
definitely a craftsman when it comes to the way he constructs and tells his stories. I mean, that cannot be denied. I just didn't really ever click with Mank. It never really grabbed me, aside from, you know, the historical nature of it all was kind of cool. But other than that, it was just fine for me. Uh, Cypher, though, is probably one of my favorite things about it. I think she is the star of every scene that she is in. Um, yep. I think she's a believable uh, Marion Davies. I don't know much about Marion Davies. I'm not going to, you know, claim I'm some sort of, like, historian by any means. But I bought her. Mm-hmm. Um if you would, if if a legitimate historian did tell me that she was the definitive Marion Davies, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I believe that because mm-hmm. she is quite good. Um, she she's gorgeous in the way that we think of old Hollywood glamour. Uh, she is compelling in her scenes. I love that scene that Ryan mentioned uh, outdoors. Um, that's probably my favorite scene in the movie. Is um, the one by the tree, or the, or the one the, after the the, the, one, the one with the, by the tree is the one I'm thinking of. Oh yeah, okay. um, that was probably the one of the few times in the movie where I felt actively interested by what was happening. Otherwise, I was just kind of watching Fincher just be a marvelous craftsman. That's kind of what the movie yeah. was to me. And I, as a viewer, I need a little bit more. I get you. But, um, yeah, I think she is quite good. Yeah. So she and Fincher's technical prowess were the stars of the movie for me. Yeah. No, I love it all. And I just, it, it's, it's such a meta film for Fincher because yeah. of the fact that this is a movie about a man who is struggling to find cohesion within the Hollywood system and is, gets pushed out and blacklisted basically for it. And that's what Fincher has always been to Hollywood, even though he is a pioneer in a lot of, really a lot of what cinema has been over the last three decades. He's a guy that taps into things like, before like seven something like seven makes Mindhunter makes all the fucking true crime things that we have going on now today Gongro is a commentary on the media that's what I think intrigues a Fincher to do something like a dime store novel like Gongro is how we as the media with the Nancy Graces and the CNNs and all the shit of the world you know take a murder or a missing girl case and glorify it to the point where it's disgusting or dragon tattoo where it's about the internet and and about this murder and all this stuff and really the darkness of society i mean facebook is based uh, like with the social network that movie ages impeccably well every time he goes up and testifies under in front of congress the man is is a pine and then the the cgi and ben button really is another big step forward in de-aging um, better de-aging than something like even The Irishman. So I see this as him, along with it being a love letter to his dad, this just great amalgamation of everything put together, him also using technical, going back and forth with the black and white and the cinematography. But her performance is so great and old school and feels unlike anything you really get to see nowadays because it has the the sensibilities of the past as well as the contextuality of all that information. And then you get that humanity at the end by the, by the tree that I think that you and I just love, Brandon. She really taps into this sort of Turner classic vibe. But it's not overdone. No, it's not like stylized, but she sort of has this aura of old Hollywood performance. You could fit her in an old movie 
and it works. Mm-hmm. Like, like we could put her in any Carol Lombard movie, and yeah, it works. Yeah, anything. She's she, she's such a great actress. I mean, she's great in this. She's way better in Mamma Mia too, but she's you know clear. <laughs> I fucking hate you. Here we go again. That was just for Joey alone. But anyway. Joe, any more outside pants? No! You just brought up that awful-ass movie. We literally watched some of it last night. We watched the best part of that movie. Fernando. With uh, Cher. Zombie Cher. Zombie Cher. And Andrew Garcia. That's one of my favorite pieces (laughs) you ever wrote. Because when I read... When I read Zombie Cher, I literally did a spit take out of my computer. I had to go get it. Yeah, get some weapon because <laughs> I was just like, "Holy shit, he's right!" I know, and it's, I'm but it's, right. but it's also, it's a very guilty pleasure film for a lot of people. Okay. Anything else? Wow, yeah. here we go. Your lead actress nominees of 2020 were. 25 years ago, she made her Broadway debut in an August Wilson play. Tonight, Viola Davis is nominated for bringing to life another of that great American playwright's work as the lead actress in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. You were luminous in that role, Viola. Andrew Day, it's hard to believe the United States versus Billie Holiday is your first major film role. You seamlessly embodied the icon and reminded us that Billie Holiday was a survivor and a fighter. Vanessa Kirby, you went there for your performance in Pieces of a Woman, which is why your peers have recognized this fearless and vulnerable performance. Frances McDormand, in this untethered moment, we needed your performance in Nomadland. You took us into a world hiding in plain sight with charisma and endearing transparency. Carrie Mulligan, you knew the risk you were taking with Promising Young Woman. Congratulations on a performance that was painful, witty, and powerful. All right, let's start us off with some Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby, this is her sole nomination thus far. She plays Martha in Pieces of a Woman. Going in Oscar night, she gets nominations everywhere. Golden Globe, SAG, Critics' Choice, Baptist Spirits. Goes home empty-handed. She's the only one of all the nominees to not get a singular thing, which if she had won this Oscar... Oh, my God. ...would have been amazing to see because at that point we would have had a winner at every award so shout out to our friend Nicole who wanted that to happen genuinely would not have been mad at that nope. because everyone would have had something I would have just been like you know what fair yes with that said in Pieces of Woman again Vanessa plays Martha she is a woman who spoiler alert loses her kid after right after giving birth um, and the story then develops into the aftermath about how her and her boyfriend um, played by uh, Shia LaBeouf. Played by Shia LaBeouf. Uh, reconciles with it and the relationship with her mother and what happens with the... what She's like a doula, right? Yeah. Um, what happens with the, the, the nurse... The, the at-home... The yeah, at-home the, at-home, the birthing home, nurse. Yeah, yeah the, the midwife. midwife. The midwife. Yeah. And uh, what happens with that court case. So, yeah. Ryan McQuaid, what are your thoughts on Vanessa Kirby as Martha in Pieces of a Woman? You also forgot to mention she really likes apples. I don't know if that's a, a, an apparent thing in but the, the film. But it's not that she likes apples. She likes them. No, it's not that she likes she apples. Is she hungry. No, she likes that she apples. specifically mentions that her baby smelled like apples. That's well, why. She likes them, though. Okay. What do you think? She's carrying them around. What do you think of Vanessa Kirby? Um, 
this movie's tough. Yeah. This movie's tough to talk about because of the fact that this movie has an amazing 40-minute sequence that's a one-shot sequence, which is the birthing sequence at the beginning of the film. It's a, it is a one-shot. It's like 20 minutes. It's like 20. Yeah. It, it felt like 40. Well, I'll give you that, yeah. Yeah, it felt yeah. like 40, but it's like, I guess it's 20, 20 or 30. First 20 minutes. It feels like, it feels longer than that. Um, I guess it's because the rest of the movie feels like it's forever. Um, because that's the most compelling part of the film. Is because that's when you get this, you know, you get her very raw, vulnerable performance as she's having this baby. The sort of reactionary shots from all that. The rest of the film, she's just very quiet. She's mourning, obviously. But there's she's not really the most interesting character as the film gets past those first 20, 30 minutes or whatever we want to call it. She's not, to me, even remotely interesting. I told Joey this, that if Shia LaBeouf didn't come out and be a horrible human being in Joey's favorite film last year, The Tax Collector, <laughs> that he reviewed, that he reviewed for Ancestral Film. Hardly. Hardly. Um, I think he would have got a nomination. I agree. And I think it would have helped Burston, who didn't land supporting actress. And I think the film would have done better overall. And I think she would have done better overall. I think it would have gotten in for director. It would have gotten in for... it Because it was being projected all that way. Yep. And I think the reason why is this because LaBeouf and her have really good chemistry. Her and Kirby... Uh, Kirby and LaBeouf have really good chemistry. And... But we all knew about that stuff right as the movie was... And it was kind of like, oh, it's very distracting. Um, she has some of the worst scenes of the year, though, on paper for her. The courtroom stuff is awful. In my opinion, like her going up there, that never happens. I don't want to hear it. That, that it's like her going up there. It feels like very forties and fifties. Like, let me stop what I'm doing right now so I can tell you the thesis of this film and how I feel. Like that's how it feels. I just at a certain point didn't care anymore. I was a little bit like Ellen Burstyn. I was just like, we gotta move on. You know what I mean? You got we gotta. You know, you, it, it was moat fest for what was this like two hours long? Whatever this movie is, it's a long movie. And then the logistics of that tree at the end of the film, with the apple tree and the new kid and everything. Don't even get me started about that shit. That didn't make any sense. She's fine. She's not awful, but she's just. It's a movie I will never watch again because I just have no interest in ever watching. Until it's the Criterion. It's not getting there. I tell you that. And even so, I don't own every criterion. I don't know marriage story. Why would you? Exactly. Why would it's not I? Netflix. Well, he owns Roma. I own Roma. Exactly. Well, the cinematography. I oh, know. I like Roma. I know. It's just I just, think it's, I just think it's funny that they're Netflix movies. Well, the minute that Netflix loses all their money and they shut it's down, happen. yeah, when that happens, I'll have those movies at least. So I have a very similar gripes with the movie itself. Um, I'm with you on the courtroom thing about how... Oh my God. Realistically, this it, would not, sense. it would not play out that way. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I don't like work in courtrooms. But it just, it, feel, it felt... You very, would be a great lawyer. I, my brother's a good lawyer, I think. Oh, wow. um, you think? Like, he's like, never represented me, but he's a lawyer. Um, I think that that's good that he's never he's, represented He's a nerd me. that was reading like Supreme Court opinions and he was fucking 13 for fun. He's a weirdo. So... Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, it. There's times when it feels very Hollywood. This movie, the way that it's. Which is weird because I think for the most part it's trying to go for a realistic. It's approach. trying to go for like a gritty, realistic, down to earth kind of. Almost trauma. like a like what's those J du, the Duplass films? What are those like? What's that genre? It's like, It's a, almost trying to be an, a a prestigious mumblecore film. Yeah, I think. Yeah, which kind of it becomes a, a weird contradiction when it's doing these very written moments. Yeah. Um, but I think Vanessa Kirby is doing quite well with what she is given here. Yeah. Um, I think there are faults with the way the movie plays out. But I think she delivers on what she needs to do. Okay. Um, I really like her approach to it. It's a kind of performance that I find myself leaning into. Um, it, it feels like there's layers to her portrayal of this woman who has gone through absolute hell. And I've only seen the movie once because it's not exactly a movie I want to relive. But I get the impression that if I were to watch it multiple times, I would find little things every time that she's doing that's just me speculating here. Um, it's probably a movie I will not watch ever again for a few reasons. But I do think she's doing quite well. I understand why she was kind of swept up in the awards season. Uh, she doesn't win anything, you know, as we know. But I can see why so many people were gravitating toward her. Because I think she is doing pretty well with what the movie is giving her to work with. Yeah. So I really like Vanessa Kirby here. Um, I have seen Pieces of Woman twice. I saw it when it premiered, and then I rewatched um, the actress nominees minus one with um, a friend of mine. And my friend, who had she has a one-year-old boy, gone through all these nominations, and she said the same thing. She's like, "The movie's not great, but Kirby is fantastic." I, she felt like. Out of all the nominees, Kirby was the most realistic um, performance in her story. And the thing is, is like I don't think this is a great movie, but I don't think it's bad. I think it's a good movie. I would maybe see it again, but I'm not clamoring to Netflix to go specifically to this movie. Mm -hmm. um, with that said, I think Kirby's doing really, really good work here. Um, I, I do think the the first 20 minutes are the strongest part of the movie. Um, but I also understand her grief. I, I, I don't... You have to remember, as I was listening to you guys talking about this, this court thing, it's not... In a, in a way, the court case has her at the victim. So if she wants to say, no, don't do this, she can do that. So you can go into court. It may not be like specifically like that but essentially you can do that so it's not unrealistic and i understand why you guys brought that up but that is a thing like if she yeah. says i don't want the charges pressed that court case will be thrown out that's what she did but not in front of everyone i mean it can happen but i mean you don't get up slow like and then go but it's just a turn movie. your head. It's a movie. Okay, Mr. Tenet, you can believe that. But, but that's believe... not trying to be a realistic no, no, thing. No, no, Like, it's what you and it I said. It is a movie. The moment you start a movie, you're in a fantasy role. No matter the thing, stop it. I agree that it can happen. Yeah. It just, the way it that it, it plays out just shouldn't happen. artificial. Shouldn't happen. It's a movie. It shouldn't happen. 
With that said. This isn't a fantasy film. With that said, I think she's really good. She's really emotionally gut-wrenching. I do agree. I think Shia LaBeouf is great in this movie. Mm-hmm. I would have 100% been on board for supporting actor nomination, looking at his performance, and only his performance. Um, I'm not saying I would. I'm just saying that, like you, like a lot of, I wouldn't give it to him. But I know a lot of people would. Because, I would. Yeah, I like, yeah. Looking at talk. just his performance, I would do yeah. that. Yeah. I would also like to point out, I love Ellen Burstyn, but Molly Parker should have had the supporting actress nomination if you were going to nominate a supporting actress from this film the first 20 minutes or the first the 10 minutes that she's in of the first 20 minutes great great mm-hmm. and then the last 10 minutes that she's in the movie because she's only in the first 10 in the, the last 10, 10 she doesn't say a goddamn word but her face says it all in that's acting yeah. Brava. That's Alan Burson, I love her, but that whole chicken leg thing, it was just so forced. God, that... And I raised my head. Yeah. And she had come out and said, like, that was... Improvised. Improvised. And you could tell she was like, Oscar, this is my clip. And guess what, Alan? Didn't give no one clips. Um, but, uh, yeah, Vanessa Kirby is great. Jokes are on you, Ellen. <laughs> Vanessa Kirby is really goddamn good here, so I like her. Um, anyone have anything else on Vanessa Kirby before we move on? Let us go to this year's winner, Frances McDormand as Fern in Nomadland. This is her sixth of six acting nominations. However, this is technically her sixth of seven nominations because she wins two on this night, producing for Nomadland and acting. Um, Going into Oscar night, regarding her acting wins, National Society of Film Critics and BAFTA give her the win while she's nominated at Golden Globe, SAG, Critics' Choice, and Spirits. In Nomadland, again, Frances plays Fern, also known as Franny. Pretty much plays herself, but not herself. It's just her name. She is a woman who decides to get on the road and live life to her fullest, despite the situation she's been put in, and shits in a bucket, and makes a spa, and just is living her best life in the last ten years she's got, or whatever. I don't fucking know. Brandon, discuss. Cinema peaked when Francis shat in that bucket. <laughs> Um, I, I think this is a really great performance uh, from Francis here. I'm a big fan of Nomadland. Um, so glad it won uh, Best Picture. Hell yes. Um, so I think it takes a very special kind of actor to act with non-actors and be on their level, not steal attention from them, not be the star in the room amongst these peasants. Like, I... Like, <laughs> I feel like if you sh- if you showed Nomadland to someone who had no idea who Frances McDormand was, they would never know that she is this huge, powerful player in Hollywood with all these nominations and wins. Yep. Um, it kind of reminds me of why I liked Willem Dafoe in The Florida Project. He does a very similar thing in that movie. I know you feel differently, but <laughs> I, I know Willem Dafoe, I liked him in that for very similar reasons. Um, also, Marina de Tavira does a similar thing in Roma. Um, Francis is great. I love the, I love these comments. I know. Um, but Francis is not a background player. Brandon speaking. I'm sorry. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, Francis is... She's just powerful as hell in this movie without ever really showing you that she is. Yeah. Um, I don't really know of a 
of a better way of putting it. She is just truly living this character. I know an overused phrase we use in film criticism is how lived in a performance is. This is one where I truly think that applies here. Like she and Fern have become one. I know this is a character who was sort of created um, for this story. It's my understanding that she doesn't really exist as we see her in the film, in the book. Um, I guess Chloe and Francis sort of collaborated on this in some way. So that makes sense why she would be so organic with this performance. Um, but I think she pulls it off tremendously. Um, the, the illusion really works here for this film. So I think she's quite good. Franny! I love Frances McDormand. Here we go. She is, she is Hollywood royalty, I think, at this point. Um, and also, with this Oscar win, I think we can say it. I think it's okay to say it in a lot of circles now. And look, I know Meryl's got three. She's the greatest living actress on the planet right now. She's the, she, I mean, Meryl, Meryl's doing like the prom, all right? And she's doing like. Francis ain't doing the prom. She ain't, oh, yeah. You think she's going to really ever work with Ryan Murphy? I don't think so. She's not that desperate. Oh, she better um, know. She bad. better know. Oh, God. American Horror Story season 10. Oh, God. Okay, God. Never mind. Don't do it, Franny. Don't go into the light. Um, so, I love this performance. I think that this. Brandon is absolutely right. You buy that this isn't Frances McDormand. You buy that, that she's Fern. You buy that she could live in a van, shit there. Her, when those plates break, when those plates break, I you feel it. like... I felt those plates. You, you feel like those are her plates. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like, oh, well, she could just go to like... They probably were actually. She probably brought them. Yeah. Knowing Frances, knowing how she's involved in this, she probably had those plates. And then it's like, she really hurts. So I didn't even tell Joel. And Joel like probably went to make a Joel's like, Where's my <laughs> and, and, These are my mother's plates. You know what I mean? And, and Francis like, it was for the art, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> and more Oscars than you. Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he deserves those Oscars too. Uh, stop it. Anyway. No, 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 no. She's, she's winning. Yeah. Um, she's fantastic in this. I'm going to do it now. I get to do it now. Oh, yeah. I fucking told you so. All of you. If you followed me at InCessionFilm.com or you listened to Chasing the Gold, Joey knows this. Brandon knows this. I predicted Francis McDormand to win this Oscar from October. From the moment I saw the film, I said, that will be... Because you have to think of it like you always do with the Academy. They are the most racist bunch of motherfuckers on the planet they will go not the full extent of the way in terms of representation they will nominate but they will not give wins right and so i thought okay chloe zhao is doing nomadland it's the front runner and all this stuff for the longest time i said that trial of chicago 7 was going to win best picture because that just feels like it feels like a comfort blanket for those older members of the academy and I said to myself, what's the best way and the laziest way to honor Nomadland? What's well, to give it to Frances McDormand and give her three? And everyone told me, well, that's not going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. And so then Nomadland started winning all this stuff, which is okay to change your prediction on that. And I did. But I then was like, 
picture, director, actor. Sounds about right. And then maybe cinematography, maybe something else. Or maybe, you know, if screenplay happened, it happens. But I always thought actress was going to happen because when you talk about a lot of these movies throughout this year, it's either one person or this or that. When I think about Nomadland, it's two people. It's Chloe Zhao and it's Francis McDormand. And really, it's not even in that order. It's actually Francis McDormand and Chloe Zhao. Because without Francis McDormand, Chloe Zhao doesn't make this movie. Because she handpicked Chloe Zhao to direct this film as the producer. She saw her, she saw the writer. She met her at the Spirit Awards in 2018, 2019. And that's how they did this project. It was a total collaboration between the two of them. Um, and I told Joey this. The last time we saw Frances McDormand give an acceptance speech, it literally changed Hollywood. She got Meryl to stand up on her goddamn feet and all the female people there. And everyone stand up and said, give them jobs. Give them opportunities and get rid of the Inclusion Writer Act in everyone's contracts. Made Everyone started to have to Google that. That was like one of the number one Googles the next morning because of Frances McDormand. And she's got like gifts galore of her like screaming, ha, 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 like, like a mad woman. Okay. She's powerful. And this performance is great. Like, you're right. When she shit in that bucket, I was like, man, that wasn't CGI bucket. I'll tell you that. David Lean could never. Never. <laughs> never. Um, and I just, the only problem I have with Nomadland is the Stratheran plot line. Because I, I felt like you're going to hate this. Felt very Manchestery by the sea of him in that, where like, of course, Hedges in that film tries to get um, Casey Affleck to get normal. And he's like, I can't do it. I can't be that for you. And it's the same thing. It kind of fills there a little bit. Other than that, though, the whole movie is just great, and she's in so much of it. Yeah. It's really just laser focused. Of all these movies, she's the most laser focused on about the entire thing. She's this is my favorite Francis McDormand win in nomination period. Well, you answered a, 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 a sorry a question that was coming up. That's fine. You're just out of the game. Um, Nomadland is the only ten out of ten that I gave last year. I absolutely love this movie. I think it's great. I think that Best Picture win is fantastic. Um, in the director lineup, I am more towards Vinterberg. I was gonna say she's like two for you, right? She's two in that lineup for me. Well, no spoilers. What? Well, you, well, no, if you ever Chloe Zhao. Well, I know, I know, but I don't want you to spoil it down the road if you have to talk about those categories, right? We're talking about it now. Okay. So I am very team mad at me. Team Vinterberg for a director. I think he should have won. Not mad at Chloe Zhao, but I wouldn't have given it to her. Um, I'm happy she won. Yeah. Happy. Not my pick, though. Yeah. But Frances McDormand, you, you couldn't do this movie with Jessica Lange. Or Meryl. Or Meryl. Or, or Angela Bassett. Or you know who or, could probably pull it off? I have someone. Oh. Sissy Spacek, I think. I was gonna say Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek is the right Yes. Yeah. Even if, like maybe in like five or six years, I think um I think Kate could do it. Kate Blanchett. I think she could. No. She's borderline, but I think no, she you need someone who doesn't look like a movie star. That's the thing with Sissy Spacek. And that's Sissy Spacek. A leather bag. You need like a le- sort of like a leather bag. You could have done this with Jackie Weaver. 
Oh. Mm. Well, you could have done this with Jackie Weaver. Accent would have been a little bit. I mean, she does a really good American accent, hence Silver Lightning's Playbook, and that second Oscar she won. But. Yeah, she didn't. You could have done this with, like, Linda Blair. Mm-hmm. You could have done this with someone who doesn't look like. You need that for Jane Alexander. Jane Alexander. Yeah. yeah. She might have been a little too old for this one. I don't know. I don't know. Yes. I don't know. But it's she cool has to the vibe. Yes. Madeline Kahn, if she had been alive. Karen Black. Mary Steenburgen. No. Karen Black, if yeah. Karen was around, this would have been a Karen role, for sure. With that said, that's why it works so well for Frances. She is wonderful. This The Academy doesn't go for subtle It is so subtle. Wins. This mm-hmm. is so subtle. Think really quick. Putting on the spot, when's the last time we had a subtle actress win? In lead actress? In lead actress. I'm going to look it up. No, don't look it up. No, because I, I don't know. Oh. Sorry, I'm not like y'all. I mean, I'm literally going back to 2000 now with Aaron Brockovich. I can't think of one. No, oh, you got it right here. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. It never happens. Yeah. Yeah, because Francis's last one is very over the top. Yeah. Best oh. actress is always over the top, and. Reader, Livion Rose. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, qu- the, qu- Helen the queen, Mir- Helen Mirren, and the queen. Helen Mirren is subtle. She, I consider her subtle compared to the others. Okay, so I would say, yeah. So Helen Mirren. So Helen Mirren, the queen, is in two thousand five. Is Nicole Kidman in the two thousand six? I wouldn't call it. No, Kidman. I wouldn't no. call that. Yeah, I also cannot call her a lead, but that's just no, me. she's not. It's an <laughs> ensemble. Yes, thank you, thank you. Sorry, Brandon. No, it's not an ensemble. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're all supporting. Yeah, it's it's a three woman story. Yes. It goes back and forth. Yes. Very okay, amazing. that's a whole other conversation. But so the Helen Mirren and the Queen was Sorry. the last time we got a subtle oh, nomination okay. and win or a, a, a win, and so it doesn't happen often. But Francis just makes it worse. Yes. Yeah. This yeah. is not in, wrong. There's like you're looking at all yeah. this like, well, Emma Thompson and Howard Zander. You could say is you could say okay, yeah. but okay, so that's twenty years, thirty years almost. Or 23, yeah, I'm sorry, not yeah, 20 years, 30 Matt. years. Yeah. So the thing is, yeah. is that it just works. And the best part about Nomadland is that it can play like a documentary. And that's what you needed. You needed that realness. And that's so what got, Francis Because you got swanky. You literally, I don't. I didn't understand the swanky. I love her. Like, she doesn't do shit in that movie either. But like. I like how he says 10 out of 10 and yet he's like, she don't do shit. She don't do shit. <laughs> she don't do shit. Swan- what, does, what does swanky do but die? She gives us life. She gives she us dies. life. She gives us death. She gives us life. She gives us death. But, um, no, Francis is just perfect in this. You could not have cast it outside of, like I said, maybe Jackie Weaver or um, Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek would have been great. Yeah, and a welcome return. has been since 2001 for her. But, um, but yeah, I think this is perfect casting. Perfect. I want that movie now. Perfect motherfucking acting. Good for her. Um, we do have a question, though. Ba-ba-ba-ba. Where did it go? Because you just answered it, Ryan. Ah, Andrew Carden. Hi, Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Where does, without spoiling your, your lineup, where, well, without spoiling your lineup, where does Nomadland rank for you among McDormand's Oscar-nominated turns, Brandon? This is my favorite performance of hers that's been nominated. This is my second favorite. Almost Famous? Almost Famous. Cause yeah, that's, that's really good. I think she should have won. That's the only thing that I've given her a win for she thus far. after should have won. Her or Hudson should have won for that. that Hutton, I would say I like her it. or Walters. I think, well, I think, yeah, her and Walters are my one too. Yeah. I, I really like Almost Famous a lot. I love Almost Famous. It's great. 
And then obviously you answer that for Andrew, so you don't have anything wrong. You like to get yourself ahead. Sorry, Andrew. I didn't mean to step on it. Also, follow <laughs> me on Twitter because you don't. Oh, oh. And now, <laughs> there's a lot of naming this episode. I'm just saying, you said the name. I'm just, I'm just pointing it out. I love his work. Um, moving on, we have Andrew Day as Billy Holiday in the United States versus Billy Holiday. This is the nomination thus far. Andrew Day going at Oscar night was, by statistics, the front runner. No. Well, yes, she was, and we'll get into that because you're already wrong. Golden Globe winning for actress in a drama and nominated Chris Choice for actress in the United States versus Billy Holiday. Again, Andrew Day plays Billy Holiday. This is a more detailed story of Billy Holiday dealing with the government with strange fruit and the racism and the hardships than, let's say, Ladies and the Blue Steps, our last Billy Holiday nominated film with Diana Ross, which Brandon, you and I both gave the win to. So Ryan's going to go first and spew his falseness about how she wasn't the front runner, and then I will correct that when we get back to me. So go ahead, Ryan. Well... What are your thoughts on Andrew Day? Okay, I'm going to give the thoughts on the performance first before I get into the awards angles on this, which is that... Perfect. I hate this movie. (laughs) Maybe RP voter, you are not. I know. Well, you know... I'll have one of those things that has... I'll get one of those things. I'll know when I remember the AARP when I get one of those uh, pill dispensary things that has all the days of the week on it. <laughs> you have one of those? Yeah. That's why you're a voter. It's sweetheart. to put my little future in it so I remember my ticket. There you go. Yeah, but once I get one of those and it's like... Chicago has one too, actually. He has allergy pills. Well, he did vote but for... he is a senior citizen. But yeah. he did He's vote 10. for... And he did vote for Andre Day. Uh, so, you know. Andra. Andra Day, Andra. Sorry. He voted for Sophia Loren. He voted for United States versus Billy Holiday. United States versus Billy Holiday for picture. Yeah, exactly. Um, That happened and everyone was like, did we add it to the Oscars? like, no! Say AA fucking RP. Which should replace the Golden Globes. I mean, yeah, but... Honestly. And and you know what would be great about that one? Is that the ceremony is going to end around like... Four o'clock. Four (laughs) o'clock. And then they're going to go to dinner. Yeah. Oh, old people, aren't they funny? Anyway, um, I think Lee Daniels is a shit director. And I think that he is not what I want to see when it comes to films in Hollywood. They are so overwrought with stereotypical biopic tropes that you lose a lot of the humanity that is behind these performances. The movie is too fucking long and just beats you over the head with so much information and so many things and this and this and that, that you, I could not enjoy it. But Day's performance here is, I think, maybe the quintessential... Billy Holiday performance we've ever seen. She's damn good in a movie that's just terrible. And I think that that's okay to say. Because I, I think that, first of all, great job, Hulu, at pushing her for this. And basically saying, uh, you know, fuck the film. <laughs> fuck Lee Daniels. Um because, well, Lee Daniels is an asshole. Just, we just all know that. Um, have lunch with the guy. Um, I didn't. I'm just saying that as a joke. Um, 
he probably like orders in reverse or something like that. Eats his dessert first. Um, what a dick. Um, but he orders like a like banana pudding instead of like a good piece Speaking of, of cheesecake. Yeah. Banana pudding's delicious. Yeah, just not at a five star restaurant. Anyway, um, you get it at like a barbecue joint. Yeah, you get it at a barbecue joint, which is you know Texas. Texas. Anyway, um, I just don't like Lee Daniels and the way he approaches things, but he does get a good performance out of her, which is, I guess, a feather in his cap. It's more of a feather in Day's cap, who I've been a fan of her music for a long, long time. I think she's a really good actress, and I think that she has the potential here if somebody would was competent behind the camera and behind the, the, the page to give her even more fleshed out of a performance and more things that weren't so much of what we saw with other genre biopics that have won Oscars over the past couple of years. This is where Joey and I will agree with is the fact that a performance like this should have been, as much as I love Francis, this should have probably been the Oscar winner from prediction standpoint because of the fact that like it doesn't make any sense to me why a performance like this is that is good in a bad movie doesn't only gets the nomination barely squeaks in the nomination because it was the only nomination for the film but yet something like Judy comes out and we just it's locked and I think that that's a racial discussion that you can talk about that is really bad within everyone it's not just me it's not just everybody else included everybody does this and it's a little bit of why also Taryn Edg- well Taryn Edgerton that didn't get in but he was very close this was a squeak to get in because she wasn't on the BAFTA shortlist she didn't get in at she didn't get in at SAG right because uh, no. Amy Adams got her spot no um, right Hulu yeah Hulu screwed up the screener they they submitted too late so she was not eligible at SAG but I will tell you this she was not the front runner because of two things. One, yes, I do acknowledge the Globe statistic. Can't acknowledge it this year. Sorry, people. Got to find a new statistic this year. It's I, probably BAFTA. I personally don't go by stats. I offer that. I know, but what I would say is I thought after the win, here comes the nomination for her. I needed to see something else, like maybe Critics' Choice. Or, or even Tigress and Tweed getting it. Some, or, yeah, the song getting it. Or some more love. Which Let's, should have been it. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't... The Globes don't have members of the Academy voting in it. SAG is muddied in the waters, and we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. And when Viola won, I said, okay, well, that's not happening. Because everybody wanted to switch to Viola. We'll get to her. We'll get to her. We'll get to her. But when Francis won the BAFTA, I was... I was pretty confident in myself and then there were other people that made me very confident shout out to Josh Parham of of, because Josh I have a lot of we all have a lot of crazy thoughts but Josh I think really thinks about this he's very philosophizer when it comes to all this stuff and uh, Professor Parham over there yeah Professor Parham Professor Parham (laughs) he's got tenure uh, for picking that and the minute what Hogwarts house is he with that I feel like he's a Hufflepuff that's a great. Album. Josh, let us know what house you're in if you're listening. I, I Ravenclaw. I think right Ravenclaw. Now, I'm a Ravenclaw, so he should be. Yeah, I think so. That's how I feel. 
I think so. I'm Hufflepuff, so. Well, that tracks. <laughs> that tracks. I don't know what so I am. You know, normally I would say it's J.K. Rowling's favorite house, but I can't even use that anymore because we, well, you know. We, I think. That makes sense. What do you think I would be? A Slytherin. I don't think he's cunning enough. <laughs> I'm two houses. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, but um, anyway. Uh, no. It's a, it's a fine, it's a very fine performance and I hope to see more from her down the road. But I do think that if we're going to look at precursors in a wide open year, I think BAFTA's the place to look. Even with their new sort of lineup and things, if Oscar nominees or Oscar frontrunners are in that lineup, they should be considered. All awards bodies should do what BAFTA did. Yes! I want shortlists for the actors. We would have gotten someone like Wunmi Masaki. Yeah. Or... The camera the, her from Rocks. Yes. Her, her um, name, but she was in Rocks. Yes, yeah, we would have never... Alfred Woodard. Alfred Woodard. Alfred Woodard should have won the But Oscar, also, but, but that was... Such, should have won that BAFTA. <laughs> we'll talk about this with another actress. We'll get back to this conversation. Yes, we will definitely I want to I wanna get back to that. Yeah. Brandon. I think Andra Day is fantastic in this movie. It is a shit movie. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to defend the movie. Thank you. It's... It's it bad. It's poorly made. It is over long... It's just simply not good. Andra Day is the only reason to watch the movie um, because she is phenomenal in it. I completely believe her. She's a great singer. Her The exhaustion that she puts into mm-hmm. this character, I totally buy. Like Any given moment, she could have just passed out. Like the character and Andra. Like, I would imagine she was putting herself through all sorts of crazy nonsense physically, mentally, to get where she needed to be, and I bought it all the way. Um, it's too bad the movie is shitty. I think she deserves a better film. Can't wait to see what she ends up doing. I would hope that people who watch the movie have roles for her. I hope she's in demand right now, because I think she completely deserves it, based on what we've all seen. I don't know exactly what her goals are, as an actress, but um, I think she should be able to do whatever in the hell she wants to do uh, because she's, frankly, the only good thing about that movie. Andrew Day as Honey in That Who's Afraid of Virginia oh. Wolf with Olivia Coleman and Yuzhu Salva. Okay. Ooh. I'm liking this movie. Thank you. Okay. Now we, we need to cast. Now, now, we, we, need now to... we need to cast Nick. That's his name, right? Nick? Yes. So. Is that the... Um, That's Honey's uh, boyfriend, that, fiance, I don't know what they are. Yeah, he was originally played by... Terry uh, Everton. George, George Seagull. Seagull, Seagull. Seagull. Terry? A little young for it, don't you think? Terrence? How old is Andrew Day? Terrence? Andrew Day was born in 36. She was born in 84. Oh, I thought you said she was born in 36. Like, God damn. <laughs> Black don't crack. Jesus. Um, I'm going to look him up. So, Andrew Day... He's 31. Yeah, so they're good. Oh, okay. Five years. I guess so. I mean, if we can cast... It, no, I'm not saying it, that you couldn't. I no. just, you know. So, Andrew Day as Billie Holiday. Get Brad Pitt to do it. Sorry. Andrew Day as Billie Holiday is fantastic. The movie is shit. Thank you. We all agree. Lee Daniels... Jail. ...was really good as director for Precious. Was he? He's my runner-up. Precious is my runner-up. Best picture. We've talked about that on an episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Precious is a wonderful movie. 
This is not a wonderful movie, but this is a wonderful, wonderful performance. It was so interesting to me that people took this, rightfully so, way of looking at Hillbilly Elegy and being like, this is a shit movie, but there's a great performance. But it was, people knew about that with Andrew Day, but it was never the forefront because the performance speaks miles above the movie, unlike Close with Hillbilly Elegy. It's like, it's fine. It's fine, but Close Mm. is good, but Andrew Day is amazing, but this movie's shit, so it was never like a, you know, yeah, yeah. Her campaign, first of all, shout out to some of the best publicists I have talked to all goddamn season with Vanessa Anderson at AMPR, AMPR Group. One of the nicest people you will ever talk to in this industry. There are many assholes in Hollywood. AMPR Group is not one of them. Vanessa Anderson is not one of them. And Andrew Day is not one of them. They had her everywhere. She was performing at BAFTA. She wasn't even nominated. She was on commercials for Hulu. She was on commercials everywhere. She wins the Golden Globe. Statistically is the front runner to win if you go by statistics. And I'll get to that in a second. That's why I have, I'm saying Ryan is wrong here. She's everywhere she needs to be. It was the setup for the win to, for her to take this. In a year that is so open, it was anyone's game. It was Vanessa Kirby's game, even. You could say she was well, in fifth. But I said on that episode, they're all in fifth. They're all in fifth. Well, I mean, I did say Francis was winning, and she did. That's fine, but still. I had said that Why I pointed out that she was statistically in first. And I broke it down, gave the children the facts, and they still had argued it children the children you take the last year the last 20 years the last 20 years if you are a stats person you take the last 20 years of all these awards we all know well the ones who are smart know that golden globes don't mean shit know that critics choice are fan awards know that independent spirit awards are fan awards awards. know that sag it is good it's a good measurement for nominations but not wins but there are more crossover voters in BAFTA than there are to the Academy than there are set. You're speaking my language. I'm correct. I know this. So, when I break it down for people and I say, you take the last 20 years, right? If you go by stats on the precursor wins, the last 18 out of 20 Best Actress wins have won the Golden Globe. But they also have two categories. They have two categories. That's 10 nominees. I'm going to get to that. You're getting ahead of me. You take... SAG, you're at 15 of the last 20. You take BAFTA, you're at 14 of the last 20. You take Critics' Choice, you're at 11, so on and so forth. Statistically, you have the Golden Globe winner who wins actress, whether it is either category, winning Oscar. Based off of stats alone, that puts you at the front runner's position. It does. No, it doesn't. It just, yes, it just it, they rigged the game so that they can cover their ass. Either way. So you know that bias I was talking about earlier? That's that. That's why I was calling it out. You cannot change it because it doesn't... I never changed it. No, but you're arguing for it. And I'm not saying you... No, I'm not. What I'm saying... They don't have voters of the Academy. Did I not just say that, Brandon? You did. Did I not just say they don't have voters of the Academy? That was in there somewhere. 
Yes, and if you're going by stats of wins of precursors, which most of these quote-unquote critic fanboys do, you go by the precursor wins, Golden Globe leads every year. Every year. Well, they have a they have more of an opportunity to lead than do SAG I agree with it? and BAFTA. No. They do. But you go if these people who wanna cry foul go by stats of precursors, it's the Golden Globe winner. By stats. That's why Andrew Day is and was the... Well, was. Was the front she runner was, she isn't. once she won the Golden Globe. Period. Now, do I agree with that? No. Thank you. Oh, but, but, I, but no, but I don't... You know me. I don't take Globe wins. I know you, right? You know, I'm not pointing I'm, out to you what I'm pointing out to you right now. Is, I'm not defending them. Right. But what I'm, I'm telling you, like, that... That uh, I'm a, I think we're agreeing, right. but we're we're, we're, we're going down wrong. We're also agreeing apart the Judy thing. Mm. We're in agreement on that. All of a sudden, we can lock in Renee Zellweger, but, but we, we can't, can't lock in this with Andrew Day. Well, it goes. Oh, God damn it! We really can't talk about this without talking about it. We're going person. to get to her, and when we talk about that, that's when this comes back up. Yes. So I. I you know, so I'm the thing gonna, is, is that people had a personal take. Yeah. A personal bias. We didn't even get to celebrate this win. And we couldn't... Thank you! That's... Yes! That's exactly what... We couldn't celebrate the historicness of this win. I mean... It's, it goes a lot with... Just like we couldn't celebrate the historicness of the BAFTA nominations, which we will get to. It's And then also, in some ways, it's like the why we couldn't celebrate Best Actor the night of the Oscars. Right. Which, that's a whole other episode. That's a whole other... That's but a Andrew Day, as a performance, is... Riveting is Man, she's just mind blowing. Like, she's just like she's like a point she where she started like, drinking, having sex. She came out as a sex addict. She almost lost her voice. Doctors had to step in. I mean, when you said Brandon that you thought she would just break, she could have done it. Mm-hmm. Bravo, bravo. Um, do we have any questions before we move on? Oh, all right. We're two hours and nineteen minutes. Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Nicole wants to know, choose your preferred musical biopic performance between Diana Ross, Angela Bassett, and Andrew Day. Not who you would give the Oscar to, but just your favorite of the three. Which is funny because we both gave Diana Ross and Angela yeah, Bassett the wins. I was just thinking that. I think I'm going to go with Angela. Are we talking about, we're talking about performance or are we talking about the film? The performance. The performance. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with Angela Bassett out of those three. I really do think that Day is the, the, the new standard. So you're choosing Day? I think so. And I'm going to agree with Brandon and say Angela Bassett. But Angela Bassett's fucking phenomenal. Phenomenal. Angela phenomenal. Bassett should have two Oscars. What's the other one? Well, wait, what are you? What movie are y'all talking about? What's Love Got to Do With It? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about something else. I'm sorry. So what's her other Oscar? Is it uh, yeah. Okay. Or yeah, whatever. I don't care. Give her give her she should have two Oscars. Find just, room just and because. make it. Just because. Oh. If Viola Davis would stop taking roles, maybe we could get it to her. Take a take a break, Viola. Speaking of Viola Davis, I was gonna say her. just make that transition. transition. Yeah. Here we have Viola Davis playing Ma Rainey and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. This is her fourth of four nominations going to Oscar night. She has a Golden Globe nomination for actress in a drama, critics choice nomination for actress, but a sad win for lead actress. Lead. Actress. 
Um, in Ma Rainey again, Viola plays Ma Rainey. Uh, this is the story of Chadwick Boseman's character named Levy, who is recording an album as a backup singer who wants to then go on a solo mission for him, leave the band that he's in, and Ma Rainey happens to pop up in the background as the setting. And Viola Davis plays her in Chadwick Boseman's story. Um, who started off last? I think it's me now. Brandon, let's talk. So this is a sweaty fucking performance. <laughs> this is I me was... walking in here in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's not wrong. True story. Um, you know, I think she's fine here. Um, I, I was not exactly blown away with the film in general, but I think she is pretty good at it. I like seeing this um, kind of grimier side of Viola Davis. Um, it's not a part of her that we see very often on screen, and I really dug that. Um, I think... I think so many aspects of this movie don't quite reach the finish line or they have like I feel like they're they're half a step behind mm-hmm. and like across the board and I feel that way about Viola as well um, I think she's doing well with what she has with as well as this movie was going to be as an adaptation of this play it's not a very it's not a very um, uh, I just lost the word I was gonna say it's not a, like a groundbreaking adaptation by any means. And so I think Viola kind of falls into the rut that the movie itself falls into a lot of the time. But she's always pretty good. I'm always entertained or interested by whatever she's doing on screen. And I liked seeing this part of her. So I wasn't blown away with it, but I don't exactly love it either. Right. Oh boy, Ma, more like Ma Rainey's supporting actress, am I right? Um, because um, she's barely in this damn thing. I mean, she really is. I don't disagree with you. Remember when I called you? After Which time? I, I called you after I saw this movie. Uh, and you had had the screen, and I was just like, I don't know how she's lead. And you're like, well, I'll just film when I saw it. And then you called me, and you're like, you ain't wrong. Because Joey's description... Wow, shady. I, I heard it. Um, is not wrong. This is Chadwick Boseman's movie. They deliberately took the adaptation of this of this play, supposedly. I, I've never read the play. I've never seen it live. And they worked it around. They worked it around Chadwick. In the, and I, either in the edit, in post, or they were doing that to begin with. Which... I'm I'm not to say that it sounds suspicious, but it sounds a little suspicious to me that they that scenes were added. This was this, that was that. So, you Who know, is what? What is why? Why yeah, is how? It just and then oh, Chadwick told nobody. Maybe that was included in the contract to add stuff by his by his people. By the couch, you know, by the oh my god, by the couch. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the we'll talk about the couch um, at another time. But I do think that her scenes are just there's just not a lot for me to grab there. And she comes in thirty minutes into the film, 
of a 90 minute film. She's in a brief half second scene in the beginning. She I don't like, even think she is actually. No, she's it's just kind of. They enter the tent. It's and not it her. It's not. Farms. It's not. So her, is that like second? Okay. Yeah, it's not. Age. But it's also like there's nothing to it. It's just like sort of setting up the film and it's her dancing or whatever. It's that, the setting up of the background of the setting of the film. Yes, exactly. Yes. Setting up the the world in which we're going to be in for ninety minutes, and then she has an argument outside. She has arguments inside. She has arguments here. She has arguments there. This isn't a very layered performance. It's just her, you know, being a diva for for I don't I don't know. It feels like maybe twenty minutes of screen time. Best part of this film is when she drinks the coke. It's freaking hilarious. Like not even not even gonna lie, because it is a it is a power move. But at the same token, though, you don't really get to know her. You don't really get to feel for when she does have her monologue to Coleman Domingo. I don't feel it like I felt for Levy. All of Levy's monologues are perfectly written for that character to understand the pain. And, and it's like, well, with Ma Rainey, it's like, well, you are the talent. You're already there. You're a legend. If anything, you're just pissing off these white guys. And you're pissing off your band by showing up late and stuff like that. This story is Levy's. And that was the thing is people kept saying, well... Her names in the, the her character names in the title of the film. It's like no, 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 no. This movie is not about Julia Vanessa Redgrave. Yeah, is the titular it, role. Well, it's not about Ma Rainey. It's about the song Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and the driving force of Ma Rainey wanting to do it her way and Levy thinking he does wants to do it his way, which is better. And she doesn't want to admit it, and she fires him. The whole ending is based off of Levy. Everything about this movie is levy, 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 levy. And, heck, I would even make the, the second lead in this film is freaking Coleman Domingo. Let alone um, Viola Davis. I think Coca-Cola is more of a lead. Than, <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, the brand placement is more Fair. of a lead. Glenn than, Terman. Yes. It's that's more, not shade. That's not shade. That's it's just the truth. together. Yeah. I mean, she's, she doesn't make an impact. And every scene that she's in, one of those other guys are there either doing equal or helping her get to that finish line. And so, yeah, I just, this probably is my least, maybe, I don't know. I, I want other people to get a role like this and maybe they're able to chew it out. This feels like her and Denzel got into... The, the idea of making another August Wilson play. And instead, they decided, instead of it being my vehicle to get an Oscar, it's Chadwick's vehicle to get an Oscar. Well, I would like to comment on that on the next episode. But I will say, everything that I said about Ma Rainey, what Netflix was doing... That's right. ...was goddamn motherfucking right. Well, you and I both agreed on it. I'm just I'm I'm referencing to all the shit that I got. Oh, we both season. got shit for that. But the, I'm just you got a lot. Everything that I yeah. said that Netflix was doing with this campaign was right, and it blew up in everyone listening, everyone's face who said it was going to happen, and everyone who said I was full of shit, and the death threats, death threats that I got. Yeah. Fuck you, because I was goddamn right. When I say that I talk to these publicists and I have connections in the way that I speak to these members, 
I'm not giving you a personal opinion of myself and what I think. That's what this show's for. That's what this show's for. Exactly. But what I'm doing okay. is... I get it. Now, you know, as a Supreme Queen, I have to understand the makings the, of this the show. The Supreme. <laughs> but I am relaying the inf- The information when I had was she was getting outshined by Chadwick. She went on The View. She went on these talk shows. It was not about her. It was about Chadwick. It was the Chadwick Boseman train. Netflix was running with it, and it blew up in their faces. She won SAG. Whoop-de-fucking-do. She won six SAG awards. Not one of them, outside of fences, equated in an Oscar win. Granted, a couple of them for a Howard Gilbert murder, but they did not equate all to Emmy wins. SAG has a boner for Viola Davis. That's fine. Not taking that away. Viola Davis, queen of category fraud in my opinion, because I know you gave her the win for the help, mm-hmm. has not been in the correct category for a goddamn Oscar since doubt. Why do people continuously push her as she is correct? She is not correct. This is a supporting actress Tony winner. This, for this performance, this role. Mm-hmm. This is not a lead. Fences, she's a lead. You take her out of Fences, Fences becomes Gate. You could have Ma Rainey's Black Bottom without her ever showing up in this movie. She does not have to be in this movie for this movie to work. I don't know if I agree with that, but I see what you mean. I would like to hear that after this, because I'm interested, generally. This movie is about Levy. This movie is about the band. You could have this entire movie take place in the band room, and you could hear her above, but she never has to be on screen. It'd be a much boring, much more boring movie. I mean, it's already boring, but yes, I agree with you. This movie... It's not about Ma. It's not about Ma Rainey. It's not about Ma Rainey drinking a Coke. It's about the song. God, Ma Rainey's. God, I'm thirsty. Black Bottom. My issue with this, Viola Davis is good. When Gary Oldman won for Darkest Hour, everyone to this day is in agreement that makeup won. Where is that for this? Why can people not see that it was the Fat Suits performance? And not Viola. The makeup, the costumes, the, the makeup, tax. And guess what? They won their Oscar. They did. They did. And they were, it was, That was the performance. Even though I will say... It's quite the same thing, though. Because Gary Oldman is completely transformative and doesn't look a thing like him. And still looks like Viola. And Gary Oldman's in a Best Picture nominee. The fact that people have that in for Best Picture. That's another thing. I know, but I'm, just, I'm just saying that's Why different than... Why was all of a sudden this movie winning four Oscars... Without a best picture or a director, why was this winning? Di- pick because actor? it because Which, it, anything could happen this year. I said that from yeah. the beginning. But the fact that you would have never seen any other movie without the Chadwick Boseman Death Train campaign. Well, you have and Viola Davis winning SAG, this winning two lead actor Oscars without a director or picture. I, I that's why. Well, one, that's why I always have Francis because mm-hmm. I never bought into that narrative. Two, it was overperforming at the the guilds for the tech categories. And it was winning. So it winning those was 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 the Borat two winning a guild award for writing automatically discount. Like, I, this is what I, I under I under I understand, but yeah, you have to rem- you have to remember that Nomadland and the Father were ineligible there, so that's why it, it you know but I wasn't dis- I never discounted it when we you. were talking. Right. I, I was like it's still won. Well you can't take the, you know what? Others didn't win. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's no different than you couldn't count out Sorkin. All he won was Globe. 
even though that you know Fennell was clearly on her way to winning that Oscar, mm-hmm. you couldn't count him out because there is clear well Globes, Globes have a bias towards Sorkin as SAG has a bias towards Viola, uh, but I mean Aaron Sorkin hadn't won in a decade. It, you know he's one of the most beloved writers on the planet. He only has one Oscar. It would been and if he would have won it, it would have made total sense. And so when you line up the texts and where a lot of people were just markering in um, Chadwick because of everything until, of course, Baptist started proving that to be wrong. Um, and then Viola would... And that was the thing is you said they're all in fifth. People just went towards that because they bought into SAG more than they probably should and will continue to buy into SAG even more than they shouldn't. Um and when because they, they should buy stock into BAFTA, I mean that's really what it boils down wow, to. Um, is that's why people started doing it? But there was a lot of pushback and a lot of angst from people saying, "Am I really going to have my Rainy Black Bottom win four? without it having the Best Picture nomination to go with it? Because that's that's a huge component. Because you look at it, you look at the acting races, you look at screenplay, you look at a lot of the text. All the, uh, besides the costumes and the makeup and visual effects, unless you were a documentary short or the animated stuff or whatever, all the other below-the-line categories went to Best Picture Films. All the above-the-line categories went to Best Picture-nominated films. Mm-hmm. From here on out, if you have a coin toss in your head, really shouldn't even matter about precursors. You should look at yourself. Is that movie nominated for Best Picture? And if it's not... Then you gotta start looking yourself in the mirror and looking at like, okay, then this needs to be a phenomenon or a very overdue narrative or a steamroller like Renee, where she won everything. Because if it's a split year, you go to, okay, of all these, which is the more popular film? And clearly was the one that won Best Picture, and that's what I ended up going with. But with her, I never saw it happening at SAG. I just thought that that was like, how many times did she want for how to get away with murder? And then she didn't win the Emmys. She didn't win all those Emmys. I'm not going to lie. I, despite it being a fucking LOL nomination, I was really hoping Amy Adams would somehow take that to really just throw a wrench in it. Kind of like a Emily Blunt situation? Where, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I get you. Um, anyone else? I think it's time. Nicole, wait, wait, what more? No, I think it's time to talk about it. Well, Nicole has a question first. Oh, Nicole. I'm sorry, Nicole. I didn't mean to step on that. If Viola would have been put in supporting, who do you think she would have likely replaced? And where would she be placed in your ranking? We consider... Okay, not that part yet, Nicole. But if Viola would have been put in supporting, who do you think she would have likely replaced? Looking at that lineup, I would have to say... Cypher. No. I think. Cypher was my first thought, but the yeah. way Mank is so recognized everywhere close. else, I don't know. I would you say think Glenn Close. She, it she could have got Glenn? Yes. Think about it. Glenn, okay. Borad overperformed yes. Minari. Coleman um, was in with the father. Father and Mank are, are best. Yeah, close. you know what? Glenn Close. You know what? I changed my mind. He's right. I think in the end, Glenn ended up being very on the bubble. Yeah. More than a lot of people liked. It was think. like between her and Burston, I think, really. When her and Foster. And Burston. Which we'll get to Foster once we end this. Yeah. 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 It was those was, three fighting for the last spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my first thought was Seyfried, but I think it was more likely... Kind of like a SAG situation, I thought. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where she 
She missed SAG, but Open still got in. So in agreement, it was Glenn Close she would replace? I think that makes sense. It makes sense. It right? makes sense, but I wouldn't be... It makes sense on paper. It, it makes sense on paper, know, but I wouldn't right. be surprised if it was Cypher 2, just because, you know... It's one of those two for me. Yeah. Well, remember, too, because Helen Zangle had everything lined up to... Oh, that's sour Her and Jared Leto had oh. everything lined up to have a nomination looking pretty Don't you miss her already? So Glenn Close was snubbed by the Dallas Fort Worth film critics, and Helena was the fifth. So... Looks like someone's sleeping easy tonight knowing, you know, having that nomination under her belt. My sulfate. Ah, oh, God, the sodium no, count no. on that—the sodium count on that girl was so high. How no? What's it like losing? It? <laughs> What's it like losing to Jodie Foster? <laughs> Perfect. All right, here we go. Carrie Mulligan on her second of two nominations as Cassandra, also known as Cassie, in *Promising Young Woman*. Um, going into Oscar night, she has the Golden Globe, SAG. Nominations for Actress in Drama, wins Critics' Choice, wins Spirit, and wins the National Board of Review. In Promising Young Woman, Carrie Mulligan again, again plays Cassie, a woman bent on a hellish revenge for a crime not even committed to her in the name of her friend who committed suicide, but Molly Shannon, who plays the mom, says move the fuck on, but somehow doesn't. Does some dumbass shit and gets killed in the end for it. Um, take it away. One of you. You want to go? Sure. Um, so I quite like Carrie Mulligan in this movie. Um, she has, there's a calculating nature to her that I really like. Um, some of her line deliveries are really fun. And just, I'm going to use a, an adjective that I seldom use for performance. I think it's a weird one. But I, there's a, a deliciousness to the way mm. she seems to be living in the moment in this film. Um, I really liked watching what this level of grief can do to a person because that's a component of this character that I think got overlooked a lot because this film is very divisive and uh, tackles very controversial subject matter and understandably so there's reactions across the board to it but um, it's her her grief that I think is really warping her mind and pushing her to do these frankly outrageous things and she becomes a toxic person because of all that. And, you know, you can react to that however you will, and that's all perfectly valid. Um, I understand why this movie is very important to some people, how it reflects some people's journey with surviving and recovery, etc. And I can see how some people are on the opposite end of that, and this movie was is not a part of their journey or experience whatsoever and that's all perfectly fine you just kind of have to approach a movie and take it for what it is and accept it or don't and move on and that's fine but um i think carrie mulligan is quite good um whether you like the movie or not i think it's hard to say that carrie mulligan is bad because i think she is given a lot to work with and she's she's making very interesting choices and even if I wasn't fully on board with what was happening in the movie 100% of the time, I was very interested by whatever she was doing. Whether it was the way she plays with her face when she's interacting with people like Connie Britton or Bo Burnham, or the, the way she... She has a really unique way of speaking in this film. I was kind of obsessed with the, in, the inflection, her American inflection in this movie. Mm. It was... 
You're not, yeah. It's so weird. I was like obsessed with the way she would say things. I would like go back and just listen to her say the word words again because it's not how like a normal person speaks, and yet somehow it feels so true yeah. to this character yeah. and what she is going through. So it's a complicated film. It's a complicated character, but I think Carrie Mulligan really makes it her own. It's terrible. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just wanted everyone to have that. Calm down for it. It's nice. Um, look, I think everyone's sort of been waiting for me to talk about this one. For you? I think for all of us. Um, the internet has been on pin and needles. Kept her last for a reason. Kept, yeah. You know what? Fair. Fair. <sighs> Promising young woman. I'm going to come out and say this right now. The most toxic fan base I've ever come across for a film that includes Joker, that includes just about any film I've ever been a part of on social media. People that like that movie, not everyone, but a majority of them, treated that movie like it was the greatest American film to ever come out, and it's not even an American film, it's a British film. That movie, in a normal year, would not have been nominated for Best Picture. Mulligan probably would not have gotten in. It would have got the screenplay. I don't know if it would have won. It would have played the Golden Globes, maybe. I think Actress. so. And I don't... Would not have gotten as far as the Oscars. No. Well, it depends, because it did go drama, it didn't go comedy. Uh, would they have cared at, about it so much in the placement that they would have replaced it? No, they would have gone comedy at the Globes. Yeah, and been a comedy Globes contender. That's it. Bingo. That's a bingo. That's a bingo. Um, but I like this movie until the end. I think the ending is a complete slap in the face of the thesis that is trying to present about grief and turns it into a revenge film. I think the film wants to be a revenge film, but there is a moment in this film, and Joey beautifully brought it up in his description, the Molly Shannon scene. You don't put a scene like that in your film if you're then going to do the ending that you did. That, to me, screams... You don't know what you're doing. It screams that you worked on one or two seasons of Killing Eve, but yet you did not fundamentally know how to write like Phoebe Waller-Bridge. You are a fake Phoebe Waller-Bridge. That's what she is. And the commentary here, there really isn't one. As more and more I think about it, it's not talking about society as large. Or doing anything new that I didn't already know. That being said, I really like Carrie Mulligan in this movie. She was in my personal five at In Session Film. I want you all to remember that when you thought I hated this film. Because that's the thing. The film I have a problem with, I don't have a problem with the performance. You're right. There's something about it 
that is like we've been waiting for her to do something like this for a long time. Take the next step in your career. Stop being Leonardo DiCaprio's dumbass love interest in The Great Gatsby or stop doing the period dramas, even though you literally did one this year with The Dig. Like, stop doing the safe films. Stop being bound in mud. Go back to doing stuff. Yes. Start going back to when I loved you in something like Shame, which is a completely vulnerable performance. And it's a little bit of like sort of a quasi version of what this is trying to go for. But that's beside the point. And that's when she just bared all and showed us all. And I do think she does that here. I think that there, there's, she gives us so much. She understands a lot of the assignment. She's just given a bad ending to work with at the end. And that doesn't mean I can't, you know, just because you love a performance, like we've said, does not mean that you can't criticize the film. I think three out of, three and a half out of five star film means I hate this film. And that's just, not true. Oh. Um, but, uh, sorry, I just saw some news that Joey sent me. Anyway, um, but I think that she's great in this film, but I got to tell you this. She was never winning this Oscar. And I said it for months. This movie is divisive. This movie is, Joey's going to talk about Literally what I will say here is that there's not a single positive male character and you're trying to get a male-dominated academy to vote for you. It is the most original concept in the original screenplay category of the nominees. If you look at the nominees, it's Promising Young Woman, Judas and the Black Messiah, Minotti, Sound of Metal, Trial of Chicago 7. It's the most original idea in the lineup. So therefore, I say I have no problem with it winning that. Because in a de facto where I'm not like the strongest son of all of them, I sit there and I go, what's the most original? And this is very original, but it is also flawed. And it can be flawed. It's not a perfect film. This is not a film I would show um, like a class going over about current events. Because I think people would get misinterpreted in the wrong way. This is... This is like, I think the, I just think that this performance is really good, but damn if this whole conversation about this movie makes me never want to talk about it ever again. And the problem is, is that I love Carrie Mulligan as an actress. She is one of my favorite actresses, like her in Wildlife a couple years ago. Oh, she's so good. But like, for God's sake, now she's got this new thing coming out with Zoe Kazan and it's dealing with the Me Too um, you know the real life Harvey Weinstein Me Too story and people are going all in on the on the train that stupid fucking train that never left the station it never left wait send me the te- tell them the text you sent me about the ticket having the ticket for the train oh yeah I, well I'd said it on a podcast I think or something I was like I have the ticket for that train. It just never showed up to the station. Because I remember everyone saying at Globes, she's going to win Globe and it's going to start the train. Right? Like the sweeping train. For, and then she didn't win. 
So then she undermined, everyone undermined Day's win by saying, oh, that's nice, but she's not, but the train starts for Mulligan at Critics' Choice, a meaningless award. And she won. And then people are like, here comes the train. Here comes the choo choo. Asterisk. He is correct. Critics' Choice doesn't mean shit. It doesn't. Critics, they want to be. They want to You know what a Critics' Choice Award win does? Adds to an FYC ad, Critics' Choice Award winner. It doesn't, yeah. Does not mean shit. No. Period. Anyway, she didn't win. Um, and when she didn't win SAG, and she wasn't nominated at BAFTA. Speak on it. I love you, but I'm going to tell it. And many people just like them. So many name drops in this episode. We, they, they, um, we're just recapping the year. Told me that in a world in which it was a regular voting year at BAFTA, a regular year voted at BAFTA, she would have got in. I said, well, you can't call her a front runner because she didn't get in in this system, which is a system we all agree is great because it highlights diversity. So what do you want? By saying that, you either want the old system, which was the year before where no people of color got nominated, double Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie's feet and Margot Robbie. Exactly. Um, it's also a system that forces the people creating the shortlist to watch all the movies. Exactly. In the old system, you could just vote for whoever you could just wanted. White, 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 white. actually have to watch the movies. But that is where the bias of me calling out, and I, and, and, and... Well, this it, is, yeah. It, it's an issue because it's your personal bias. It's so wanting Carrie Mulligan to so happen, and it doesn't happen. you're telling me that the quote-unquote frontrunners in every category of acting all season could make it. Chadwick Boseman, Daniel Kaluuya, Young Jung Young, Young. Can all make it as a front runner, but the quote unquote front runner, Carrie Mulligan, doesn't make it, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. You're you, full of bullshit. You can't. You and can't. that's not just directed towards. That's directed towards. And everyone else who said that bullshit. Yeah, that was floating around for a couple days. And look, and I spoke about it and it squashed, but I'm just saying at the time it was really frustrating because, well, one, the front runner was nominated after all along. Uh, and everyone told me I was fucking stupid about oh, that. She wasn't. Yeah, she was. She wasn't. Franny was there the whole time. Not if you're going off. The it was Francis all oh. along, um, and I fucking called it. And but it wasn't surprising that she missed. And when she didn't get SAG and she didn't have BAFTA and she didn't have um, Golden Globe, I sat there to myself, well, she's like in fourth. And people like thought I was nuts, but I was like, okay, maybe she's third. But that's about it in the line in the not in my personal lineup in the Oscar lineup, and what it showed was is that the love was never there for the performance, and it ultimately what they saw about Promising Young Woman was this is Emerald Fennell's project, this isn't Carrie Mulligan's. They campaigned them both together in every interview, but it was clearly Emerald Fennell was the darling they all went after, as opposed to with Nomadland, it was Francis, and then it was Chloe Zhao. And so, I say this to say, I like the performance a lot. I don't like the film nearly as much as everyone else does. I don't hate the film. I would rewatch the film. I would. I'm not going to rewatch it with any one of you listeners whatsoever. 
because none of you get to watch none that with me. But I think maybe in about five years I'll watch it again. Because that's how long I need to get away from the toxicity that surrounded something like this. Joey? Okay, goodbye everyone. Let's so do the rankings and get out of here. No, we all know my feelings on this film by now. So I'm not going to dive into them because I've said enough. With that said, Carrie Mulligan is fantastic in this movie. Right? She is so good in this movie. She's so good. The, she does. Remember how we said Andrew Day deserved better? Mm-hmm. Carrie Mulligan deserved better than this. Mm-hmm. Or if you're going to take the story, make it better. I was very serious when that conversation on In Session had come up with Eric and we had talked about it when I said I wanted to ask Emerald Fennell if she ever had met a rape victim. Because I, for me, I find it very disrespectful of the movie, and that discussion's already been had. Mm-hmm. But I bring it up for this, that point specifically, because Carrie's acting is so goddamn good here, but it's beyond what the script is giving her to do. Brandon, you mentioned it. The American twang she's got going on. I don't know she what she's speaks. doing, but I'm obsessed with it. God, spitting in that cup. God, I love Yes, it. it's fantastic work. What makes me dislike this performance was the motherfucking fan base. It can, it can make you hate a film. It made me actively root against this film. And I, up until Oscar week, had even said, despite my dislike of this movie, I can see it's going to win screenplay. Huh. I was like, it's there. It makes me not want to go back to it. makes me not it. want to go and, and give it a second chance. Maybe down the road or whatever. So... This is the perfect example of what I was saying earlier with Bakalova with certain people. You may dislike a film, but you have to give credit where credit is due. And Mulligan earned her nomination, despite the film being a piece of shit. And I will leave it at that, because I've said what I've had to say on that movie. Now, we've discussed it a little bit thus far, but... Now that we finished that, let's get to these questions and get to our rankings, because we are going hella long. That's okay. That's okay. It's been a minute. It's, it's because I'm here. It's the Dr. Zhivago of episodes. <laughs> Gone with the wind. Um, Lewis at Pictures Hill. We've, we've talked about this already, kind of, but we can get into a little bit more. Film Twitter was, in all capitals, he puts, unbearable with yeah. best actress predictions this year. What do you think it was about Carrie Mulligan that made film Twitter want to fight to the death? And, less of a question, more of a prediction, but who is winning their fourth acting Oscar first? Francis or Meryl? Brandon, start us off with that. So, you're not wrong, uh, Lewis and you two, about the absolute ravenousness of the people on Twitter.com when it comes to Carrie Mulligan here. Um, like I like I said earlier, I very seldom go into the discourse. I kind of actively stay away from it. This one in particular was especially bloodthirsty, and I don't know why. Like, I honestly don't know what it was about this particular performance and this particular film that did it for people. Like, I know Carrie Mulligan's great, and the movie 
is very controversial, tackles very serious subject in a very fascinating way. So I'm not sure if it's a mix of subject and actress or what. I don't know what it is about this this recipe that had people going crazy. But um, yeah, it was it was not a pleasant time on the internet. This uh, best actress uh, race. <laughs> That's the, that's the that's a nice way of putting that's it. such the Brandon way of answering <laughs> that. It. Like God, I love you Yin, so much. Yeah, yeah. Mess. What was it? Wait, what was it? Mess. Smart and mess. Smart. Smart. Yes. Smart yes. mess. I honestly think I think I texted you this, Joey, a few months ago. I think Francis is gonna get it before Meryl. I think I did text you that. I was like, I think Francis is gonna tie Catherine Hepburn before Watch Meryl does this year. I don't know. I don't know. If I don't she's know gonna that. win back to back years, but. I don't know how. Sh- how I, I mean, it could. Shakespeare is going to take with the Academy, but I mean, it could happen. I'm not going to. They say do that. like. I mean, they do like Bill. Winters, some of them. Though. Some of them saw his first shows. Oh, Bill Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Moving on. But I mean, I can see. I don't know, 10, 15 years, her getting her on Golden Pond type oh. role. And, and she would look just like it. the pond. And away we go, 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 go. go. Um. I also think Frances is getting... I think she's working with better material in general than Meryl is these days. Meryl is making some more questionable decisions. The prom. The prom and et cetera. The laundromat. Oh my God. But then she did let them all talk on HBO, which I... I liked her. It's not exactly a contender. It's not, but also she's not the most memorable part of that film. Candice Bergen. Oh my God. And Diane Weiss. See, I'm more Diane Weiss for I Care A Lot. I get you. I really want you to see because you still have But also like Lucas Hedges and Jim. I mean like Meryl's like fifth on the list on that. But she's also really good. She's not actively bad. I don't leave thinking... Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Um, yeah. Sophia, I was Sophia Vergara. Sophia Loren <laughs> saying Meryl Streep's name in 08. Meryl Streep. Um, <laughs> it's in my head, like on a all the time. Um, I agree with you. It was toxic. I know why. I, I, I really, I really. Say the name. <laughs> speak the name. Are we dropping other names? We're dropping names this episode. I. It's a special occasion. I really think it was. The name of the game was the pandemic. I really think people were inside. They didn't get to go out. They didn't see this movie with a general audience. So they saw it at home. And they put their own perspective on things. Didn't want to have nuanced conversations about it. And some people called it the best film of the year. A lot of critics called it the best film of the year. And... When, and that and though and then the film Twitter people were like, well, if that's the best film of the year, I've got to see it. Now, sometimes that correlates with Oscar. Over the last four years, that really hasn't. A lot of films over the last couple of years, I take to something like maybe something like Hustlers, maybe something like Hereditary. Genre films have not, for the most part, really collectively taken over at the Oscars. I could. I would consider Promising Young Woman a genre film more than it would just be like a straight drama or a straight comedy. Uh-huh. I think it's a dark comedy. It's got revenge elements. It, it's it's a thriller. You know what I mean? it's. I would say it's a genre film. And I think because there weren't that many films in the race, it, it got to be part of the group. But when you, And this is the problem. This is why now I can't wait for us to go back to normal. 
so then that some of these genre films don't make it in. Because this is what happens when you reward an ungrateful body of people. This movie could have gotten us just a couple nominations it would have been fine. The nominations weren't even wins for it. It had to win everything. And it had to beat that. And the fact that it's just like it overshadowed the ultimate winner at times of like Andre Day. Of like Nomadland. Like having it part of like the ceremony, it almost felt gross. Like we were rewarding this kind of behavior. And it's no different, in my opinion, than those same people that called and said they loved Promising Young Woman were the same people that chastised individuals for the way that they liked Joker. They did a complete 180 and turned exactly into the fan base that they were talking about. Now, for me, personally, both films, three and a half stars, could care less. Probably not going to see them ever again. Good central performance behind them. Uh, interesting choices by the director and writer. Um, I think they have similarities, though, within the fan base and the toxicities that they bring within film discourse and discussion. That's where it all comes down to. And as for... Franny over Meryl. Yeah, Franny's definitely going to do it. Like, unless Meryl does a performance and Meryl dies. Oh. So. Unless we got. But as Joey said the other night, you know we only have like 25, 25 years, years of Meryl, Meryl. Street. Yeah, but. 21 more nominations. Right. <laughs> so. It's a true statement. Francis McDormand will win over Meryl. Also, too, if Meryl doesn't have a movie coming out this year with a performance that gets nominated. She will officially be the longest in between nominations between she has that, was, that was beaten between mm-hmm. Postcards and Bridges of Madison County, which is five years. It has been since the Post okay. was her last nomination. I'm looking it up. I'm seeing what she's got coming out. So while he's doing that, man, three. Ryan last night brought something to my attention before we went to bed, and it was the three-year anniversary that the trailer of A Star is Born dropped. Mm. We had a conversation. That how in the fuck was this trailer the best thing about that movie? Because if you go back to A Star is Born, whether you like the movie or not, I am very lukewarm on that movie. Mm. The trailer is fantastic. The trailer should have won Best Picture. Watch as I dive in. Oh my God. Yeah. The trailer Joey. to Promising Young Woman. I just want to take another look at you. Is amazing. The trailer to Promising Young Woman using Toxic on the violin is fantastic. The trailer to Promising Young Woman sets it up to be a movie it is not in the long run. The trailer to the movie sets up Cassie as the rape survivor. It does. That's, the trailer I mean... to the movie sets up Cassie as killing these men. The trailer to the movie sets up Cassie getting revenge for her own story. That's a The trailer to the movie sets up this movie as this huge, revolutionary, never-been-done-before story. And then we got that movie. But I will tell you this. Hold on. Oh, sorry. The trailer sold me on the movie. The trailer sold the two others in this room on this movie. The trailer sold the fan base. 
And the people who bought the trailer, as for what the movie was, is the rabid fan base we have now. Yeah. And that is the issue with that. They that feel- is why this shit got so out of hand. I got death threats, and that's just me. I'm one person. I'm whatever. Ryan got death threats. Yeah. I didn't get death threats. Brandon stayed out of it because he's smart. Smart man. But <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't get people into... who received death threats over the and what's, actions. What's of crazy about that is as a critic, and that's why it got toxic. What's crazy about it is, is that I do, I donate the film, and I got death Same. threats. Right. Yeah. And also too, I've said this before, and Joey agrees with. I think you agree with me on this. Is the movie should have ended at the campfire or the bonfire or whatever when they burn her body and we pan down to the movie? The should have ended at the, with, at, with Molly Shannon. Well, it should have. And then she picks up and moves on her life and marries yes. Bill Burnham and something. Or, and then, like, the end reveals that. And then it's a, like, like a end credit thing where she was revealed that he knew about that all along. And then you never find out what happens after that. Yeah. That would be actually a great movie. But. Her going into that cabin, Stupid. what happens to her and everything. Stupid. It's dumb. But Stupid. I will say, what happens at the end was the original, was the original, <coughs> as Joey dies, was the original <coughs> Sorry, ending, which was that she was supposed to just, Fennel was supposed to end it on the, the burning of the, and the necklace showing, and that was it. And the studio didn't like it. To me, if I'm a director, if I care so much about this project and I'm trying to get the message across, you would have fought for it. I would 100% fought for it. I would have given up freaking back end points to keep that thing in there. I would have done something along the lines instead of she made up that ending. After that point, she made it up. The wedding. The wedding. That was not the original ending. And people are like, oh, that's the best part, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no. Because then with an ending like that, that proves what Molly Shannon said. If you don't move on basically with your life, it's going to eat you alive and it's going to consume you. And you're going to end up down the same rabbit hole as your friend. The person she's trying to, you know, you know, avenge. I guess, but Joey, you're so right. When I watched the film, I, and I was like, oh, I can't wait to see like Carrie Mulligan get revenge on people for things they did to her. And then you found out she was like the friend and I just told Joe, I'm like, I'm like, it. I think it's a little bit harder to connect as an audience with that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you wouldn't defend for your life for your friend or that was like friend could be your sister or something like that. And it's different for everybody. But for me specifically, I sat there and I went, she's so angry, but this didn't really happen to her. And the mother of her friend tells her to move on with her life. Because she has. She's found peace. She's tried to move on. And bringing all this up is just pain, 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 pain. And she doesn't learn that. And she has the consequence happen to her. And it's just... Well, that's her tragedy. That's the tragedy right there. That's her tragic flaw. This she movie should... move on. Well, it should have been like you're laughing at this whole... Or gleefully enjoying this ride, right? And then the door slams on you with the campfire. And it ends saying, you shouldn't have enjoyed that ride. Nothing about this is funny. That's the point. As opposed to doing a twisty, twisty thing with fucking Alfred Molina and taking away the seriousness of the, of the subject matter. 
Yep. We are running long, so I want to just wrap up these final three questions. We're going to just pop through these really quick. I love this, but I know we could do this for hours. And Mama's hungry. So, <laughs> um, really quick, Justin, I need a yes or no from you guys. Justin Edwards wants to know, hey, Justin, what are your thoughts on the very early Elizabeth Moss talk about she could get a nom from Invisible Man? Yes or no? Would you have done it? Yeah. You? Um, for Invisible Man? Yeah. No, I would have nominated her for Shirley. So, no. Gotcha. I would say yes to Invisible Man. All right. There's a bunch of questions from people like Kevin Jacobson, oh. Jeffrey Care, Gabe. So, I'm going to clump them all together. Greg as well. We're going to do these all in one. Um, who would you guess was the runner-up in each category in this race? I will start this off. For supporting, I'm going to say Olivia Coleman. Um, just the way the father did on that night. Plus, all the leaks were right except for that one. For the for that had come out, I would say that one is there. Um, for lead actress, no fucking clue. So I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna say Vanessa Kirby. Why not? Brandon, I think Coleman makes sense. I don't think Close was runner up. I don't think you don't think she was close. No. Okay. I don't. I don't think Baklova was liked by enough people. To be runner up, thinking about the, you know this older, yeah. more buttoned up body of people, and I don't think Seyfried blew enough people away, so I think Coleman makes sense. Uh, uh, for some reason, I'm thinking Day maybe in lead. I don't think the Academy liked Davis as much as SAG did. Um, Mulligan's film is a bit too controversial for a lot of folks, I'm guessing, and I think people would probably just thought Kirby was fine, so. I'm going to guess Coleman and Day. Um, Coleman makes sense. If anyone else makes sense, it's probably Seyfried because she's Maybe. part of a Best Picture nominee. Um, actress, I'm going to do it like this because this is how I played out to get Frances where she was. Uh, Day and Kirby are their only nominations for their film. They had no shot at winning this Oscar, period, end of story. Uh, Viola Davis, that was the... Obviously, part of the, you know, she wasn't the focus of that film to win, uh, was not nominated part of a Best Picture uh, nominee. She also clearly um, has a SAG bias and everything, so she was not going to be second. She was probably third, uh, given that the underlying wins for Ma Rainey and uh, probably Chadwick being runner-up or whatever. I don't know. Um, and so I think Carrie Mulligan was runner-up. And I think, but I think it was, while well, I say that, I do think Francis walked away with this thing. I don't think it was close. I think that we want to make it close because of the race. But I think because of BAFTA and everything that happened, I think a lot of people settled in on that, along with No Man Land's win. I think No Man Land probably won on first ballot. And I think Francis walked away easily with that Oscar. And she did, also, we never mentioned, she did not look happy winning that Best Actress Oscar, by the way. Which I kind of love that about Francis. So yeah. Final question of the podcast episode comes from Kevin at All Right Coco. <laughs> what do you think happened with Jodie Foster and her campaign slash Globe win? I would like to start this off. There is not many supporting actress Globe winner who did not get a nomination since Voyage of the Damned, Catherine Ross, 1976. Mm. This was a year, stats for me, were made to be broken. That's something I kept saying. Loved it. All along. With that said, 
you had Maria Bakalova hitting every single precursor, mm-hmm. but in Globes was put in lead. Then you had Yun, who was the second most rewarded precursor in this, for that, like televised precursors, who missed Globes. So now we have a category that doesn't have the quote unquote two front runners, right? I say that in quotes. It goes to Foster. Foster wins, but now she's a Oscar front runner because of that stat of 1976. That's what puts her in, just like Day was the front runner winning that globe. That's how those stats work. That's why they're called stats and not predictions. With that said, I think the only true way to figure out why Foster didn't get in would have been to see a category that included Bakalova, Yun, and Foster. We never saw that. And we never saw that. We never saw that. So therefore, there is no answerable way to answer this, in my opinion. The campaign was there. Oh, it was so It was everywhere. Well, and also, uh, Tamar Rahim got in at BAFTA. Who was great. Fantastic. I just think that this is such a fucking crazy year that there's no way to answer this. Yeah, I think that about sums it up. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. That makes sense. Yeah, I also just think she was the best performance of the of the group there at the Globes. Globes. Foster. Yeah, I, I mean, like she's really goddamn good. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. If Foster was in this, she, she might be. My, she would be in my be, top two. She'd be close. Yeah. Yeah. She would be in my top two. I love Jodie Foster, and she's actually in the right category. Oh, okay. Speaking of somebody that's gonna win a third. And the funny, the thing about it is that if she had been there and won, it, I mean, not that Hopkins would have showed up, but that would have been 30 years. Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs reunion. That'd be neat. That would have been cool. Which would have never happened before. That would have been the first time something like that happened. That would have been very cool. Well, I, also, they did that roundtable discussion. Yeah. Um, actor, the variety thing between the two of them. What a great uh, interview. But, well, she clearly won. She went on, like, freaking Kimmel and all the talk shows. and She got sports involved. Yeah, she was talking with Aaron Rodgers and all this stuff because Shalane Woodley, her co-star, is a fiancé to him and all this stuff. I know, Joey, you said uh, directing for her. I think she should get it for directing. I just don't know if she's going to get a project worthy of I mean, that. She's pulling in the Emmy. She pulled she, a couple Emmy directing nominations. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 she's I, got to now do a project that's called The Beaver. Or Money Monster. Yes. Yeah. Which I, it's kind of, yeah. So that's why I think she can. Somebody will make. Maybe Jody could do something like a Nomad Land. I think she could fall. Uh, she, uh, she, she would have been too famous for Nomad Land. I don't know. People don't really know, don't see her enough anymore. She's not the star that she used to be. Yeah, she's not 90s anymore. In terms she's, of like stardom. Yeah. I think that she's very recluse and very secluded. So it would totally make sense. Um, but why she won? I mean, Globe's got a globe. I love that win. Are we ready? In the PJs. In the PJs. Making out with her wife. Love it. My wife. And she has an Italian Greyhound. There you go. Yeah. Chicago. He's napping. There you go. Okay. Well, our um, supporting actresses, as a reminder, were uh, Yoon Yeo-jong for Minari, uh, Olivia Coleman for The Father, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, uh, Maria Bakalova for Borat, and Amanda Seyfried for Mank. I'm putting Amanda Seyfried fifth. I think she's perfectly fine in that film. Um, it's just the one I found the least interesting. So, Ryan? I am putting Kevin Jacobson's Lord and Savior, Glenn Close, in the fifth spot. It's a bad movie. It's a fine. It's a good performance. She's fine in it. 
But beyond just a couple of lines, it's just, it is what it is. I wish her best in the future. Maybe she'll get another Oscar nomination. Number five is Maria Bakalova. She is the lead. Oh, God. She is not a supporting actress. I will disqualify her because it is category fraud. I hate to do that, but I am not a hypocrite. And she deserved to be a lead. So, I cannot reward her. It, the pain in your face right now. It's painful. I cannot reward her for half the work when she did all of the work. So I forgot how the show works for a second. So Amanda Seyfried's my fourth. Maria, I also. I was lead. really like, okay. No, she, she's a lead. I just forgot how the rankings work. Yeah. So yeah, Maria would be my fifth for that reason, even though I think she's fabulous. And Amanda is, I guess, now my fourth. Okay. Um, Olivia Coleman is my fourth. I love the, I love all these performances, and I'm not doing um, the thing that y'all are doing. Um, I'm, you know, where you disqualify things. I love that. I love that you guys do that. Um, just makes it more interesting. Makes it more interesting, but for for, for me, um, they're here, they're there. I gotta put them based off of what I love and what I like about them. Coleman's performance is great. Um, I really feel like what we talked about. It's really all like, it's the audience. Um, but I think she is, though, outshined by Hawkins a little bit. And so. Number four for me is Olivia Coleman because this is also a case of category fraud. No. Um, no. This oh. also really hurts to do, but Coleman is the co lead in this movie. Um, while, yes, the editing is, and you needed the editing that should have won to make this movie work, to make it in the perspective, because the whole movie is in the perspective of Hopkins' character in his dementia state. However, there are more than a few moments in this film where we are following only Coleman's character. Even if they are cooking the dinner, or, or on the phone, or talking to her husband, she has enough screen time, we get enough of the POV. She is not a supporting role here. Kills me to put the best two in this category in last. But rules are rules that I've set from episode one. And I am not a hypocrite. So what would be my one and two with Bakalova and Coleman are my five and four. So Glenn Close is my number three uh, for Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, I think she's better than a lot of people give her credit for in this, and she's frankly the only thing that's good about that movie. Um, but, you know, not my favorite in this lineup. Uh, my number four, uh, three, sorry, jeez. Uh, my number three is Amanda Seyfried. Um, those scenes are just so important to that film and I love that film so much and she's the heart of Mank and Mank and um, I could see her sitting under that tree for hours I really could well I have now reached the final three which are the only three supporting ladies in this category in my opinion and that is number three is Amanda Seyfried um, she's the only reason to ever watch Mank again 
and even that is a stretch. No. Um, she's really good where she needs to be, but there's... This is a role that anyone could have done. And, you're not, and I'm not going to give an Oscar to someone who anyone could play that role. You need to specifically be the one for that role. So, she's fine at three, but technically she's last, if you think about how I'm doing this. Yeah. Olivia Coleman's my runner-up for The Father. I'm okay with her being in supporting. I understand the argument for a co-lead placement, the screen time and all that, but she's always secondary to me in this movie. Even though she does have, you know, scenes that just feature her and not Hopkins, it's always in service of Hopkins' story and the struggle that they're dealing with that centers on his state. Um, So I'm okay with her being in supporting... Um, and she gives a fabulous performance. Uh, that's that's all on that. And um, Yoon is my winner for Minari. It's a beautiful performance. Um, she does everything um, throughout the course of this film. There's highs and lows, laughs and tears, and the physical demands that are put on her in the end are so well done. Um, she's a clear standout in that film for me. So she is my winner. My runner-up, we're doing runner-up, right? Um, is Yun Jun Yun from Minari. Um, it's like my grandma. Only I never gave my grandmother a glass of piss. <laughs> That's all. Your winner? Oh, my winner is Maria Bakalova. Easily one of the greatest comedic performances we've had in very recent memory. I understand your both yours sort of, you know, putting her at the bottom with all this, but to me supporting actors sometimes steal the film out from their leads. And I think that they're the movie is centered on Borat's sort of mission. She's tags along, but she has the most memorable scenes of the film. She's, I mean, I am just going to remember all of her stuff from this one. And without her, like Joey said, this movie is... A short film. Unbearable. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> and it's one that... It's the kind of guts that you see in a performance like this, a debut performance that you hope a very long career happens and that this is not a fluke nomination that she can get more beyond that so I mean Yun's my runner up and Maria wins well my runner up is Glenn Close which means I'm giving Yun Jun Yun the win I agree with the Academy here but I'm going to say it that's only because there's two defaults here for me Um, Glenn Close is really good she is fantastic she's the best part of Hillbillyology but I can't give her a win here with Yun still in the mix because Yun is wonderful. She's wonderful, she's funny, and it's a good win. But, um, yeah, she wins by default. So, as a reminder, your lead actress nominees were Frances Dorman in No Man Land, Viola Davis in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Carrie Mulligan in... Promising Young Woman, um, uh, I'm sorry, oh, Andrew Day in The United States versus Billie Holiday, and Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of Woman. Number five, clear dead last, is Category Frog Queen, Viola Davis. 
good god woman get a grip and get you a publicist that puts you in the goddamn right category. Oh, me? Um, he's right. Number five is Viola Davis. Um, you know, maybe if she had some more screen time, she could have, you know, had like two or three more cokes to get her to a lead. But she is definitely a supporting actress in this film. It's not her movie. And also, she needs to stop being the only one that we cast in lead black roles for a majority of all. Like, thank you. I mean, there are other actresses of her age, like Alfred Woodard and like Angela Bassett. Yes, I mean, I mean, I understand that she has a big clout, and she is a great actress. There's no wrong. Viola Davis is a great actress. Yes, but she literally is in like she's. In like a hundred things that we could give to so many other people. And so I just, you know, uh, it, yeah, she's five. And Viola is also my number five. Um, <laughs> this movie just never reaches the finish line for me across the board, and Viola's a part of that, so. The fences line? Sure. Okay. Number four is Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. Um, issues with the movie aside, she's really good, but the final four here are just so stacked for me that I... Three. The final four here oh. between Mulligan, oh, okay. Francis, Andra, and Vanessa are so stacked for me that I, I'm i not doing a thing where I have to put them anywhere, but I can clearly see where I need to put them in order to give the winner their correct Oscar win. And unfortunately, it is not Carrie with this performance, but she's still good. So, my number four is Vanessa Kirby. I don't like the film, but she's very good in it. She has more. She has more screen time, obviously, than Viola Davis, so she has more to work with. The twenty minutes in that film sprinkled in with a lot of other stuff. I think what's crazy is in the Ellen Burstyn scene where she's going for her Oscar. I actually think Vanessa Kirby's better in that scene than she is. And so um, it's a mixed bag in terms of the film and what she's given. It's a fine performance. It's not terrible. I just am never going to see this movie ever again. So uh, Vanessa Kirby sits a four. That's kind of how I feel. Uh, Vanessa Kirby's also fourth for me. Um, I think she's very good in the movie. I think she's doing a lot of work... um, and the movie's not always doing her any favors. Mm-hmm. Um, she's kind of out there on her own being a pro, and I'm glad she's got this nomination, but I don't find it quite as interesting as the other three I have, mm-hmm. and I'm probably also never gonna revisit this film for performance. Like, the performance isn't good enough for me to want to watch it again, even though I do think she's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, number three for me is Frances McDormand, this year's winner. Um, subtle, and it's beautiful. I know it's been said before that I don't go for subtle performances. And normally I don't, but I can understand and appreciate what she's doing here and love that the Academy gave Best Actress a subtle win. Um, but it's nothing compared to what Day and Kirby are pulling here, and therefore I have to pull her, put her at three. My number three is Andrew Day. For the United States versus Billie Holiday, it's a really damn good performance in yet another shitty film from Lee Daniels. Lee Daniels presents shit the movie. But her performance 
is the only reason to watch it. And as opposed to Kirby and Davis, I just think more about her and just how beautiful she is in the film, how, you know, how her singing is really what carries it because she's a great singer. But I think about her performance more than the others. And the all three films are sort of like on the same level, I guess, and that I'll never watch them again. I just, I'll go back to scenes or clips because I'm not watching the whole film. I'll go back to clips of the United States versus Billie Holiday before I will go back to the entire film as a whole. Because fuck Lee Davies. So Carrie Mulligan is going to be my number three for Promising Young Woman. Uh, this is a movie I've only seen once, and I do think I will probably rewatch it at some point, because I do find it really interesting, um, the things Emerald Fennell is doing. It's covering a lot of ground and doing it in a very curious sort of way. And I do like the movie more than I dislike it, and so I kind of want to see how it ages with me specifically, probably in a few years, let it kind of fade away a bit and come at it semi-fresh. And maybe my opinion of Mulligan will change that. But as of right now, um, I think she is fantastic with what she's doing. Um, and that's enough to get her to number three for me. Here we go. Final two. Um, my runner-up this year is Vanessa Kirby, which means I'm giving Andrew Day the win. Um, Kirby is fantastic. And I actually really consider doing a tie here. But... Well, I'll get to date in a second. But Kirby sells every moment she's in. From the birth to the the grief to the court scene. What made me not tie this, though, Day's performance as a whole is stronger. Even though I'm fully affected by Kirby, Day's takes me to a whole nother level. Whether it is her getting beaten behind the stage, her having that one-on-one -on -one moment when the bus is broken down, to her, your fucking kids will be singing Strange Fruit with the yellow eyes having full-on, what is it called, um, the liver disease? Cirrhosis. Cirrhosis of the liver, everything, she's just going, she's smoking in the hospital bed. The music, I mean, there's the singing. She almost lost her voice for this role. I mean, there is everything. Everything we wanted from Bradley Cooper to win Best Actor, she did here. There you go. Boom. God damn did the Academy get this wrong. Day should have won this. Just like Diana Ross should have won this playing Billie Holiday in 1972. I am Vaclent. So, my runner-up is Carrie Mulligan, and my winner is Frances McDormand. Um, and people are going to go like, oh, shocker, Ryan picked Frances McDormand. Well, I picked her back in October when the Oscar now, didn't I? And that wasn't shocking until the night of. The reason why I said, I'll say Frances, I'll start with Frances first, is because this is the best performance of her career. She is fantastic in this movie. 
we don't award subtle performances. We just don't do that. And there's something about this performance. It's, it's I think, how we all felt during the pandemic a lot, where we were wandering, you know, sort of aimlessly through our lives. And she's sort of doing this, and it's so effortless for her. And it's such a different channel for her because you see three billboards and she's loud and kicking women in the fucking groin and telling priests, you know, stop, go fuck themselves and all these different things. Right. And, uh, and in this, she's the polar opposite. She's the most quiet she's ever been in a movie. And along with just all the beautiful landscapes and cinematography and direction by Chloe Zhao, you have this deeply heartbreaking performance for, for her. And like that scene where like she's with her family and they're sort of talking about the idea of being a nomad. And she's, it's almost like it's like, she's not offended by it, but she feels embarrassed. And you can see that on her face. That is just so hard to pull off. And it's my favorite best actress win in like 10 years, 15 years. It's so goddamn good. Better than anyone from last decade. Hand to hand. Every one of them. I take, even over Kate Blanchett, even over Brie Larson screaming in a room, even over, you know, even though Black Swan and, and Judy, all that stuff, everything in between. It's my, over Jennifer Lawrence tripping on a stage, you know, all of it. It's, she's just better. Ladies and gentlemen, on the stage, Brie Larson screaming in a room. Um, <laughs> and um, for Mulligan, Again, I like the film. I think I like the film probably here the most. I like besides, it. Besides the ending. I don't love it, but I like it. Yeah, I like it. And I'm not going to watch it for five years. Um, but she's just so goddamn good. She's one of my favorite actresses on the planet. She's going to another level here. Now it'll be interesting. I kind of feel like that film that she's going to do is going to be like sort of spotlight level. Maybe for her. Um, which will be interesting. But... She's doing things here that we've never seen her do before. And she's doing it in spite of a script that's trying to almost at times drag her down. And she's rising above it. And, um, yeah, no, it's, it's a great performance. And it's my runner-up. So, see, I don't fucking hate it now, do I? Film Twitter. Uh, Andrew Day is my runner-up for Billie Holiday. Uh, it's, it's a thunderous performance. Yeah. And she gives it her all and I felt very concerned for her and uh, she's someone who if this industry does her right will have a very bright future because she's clearly full of talent and drive and she deserves this nomination and if she had won it I would be fine uh, because it would have been deserved in my opinion my personal favorite performance in this lineup is Frances McDormand in Nomadland I think this is her best nomination I think it's her best performance it is everything to me and if she were to only have one Oscar, this is the one I would want it to be for, of what she has done so far. So, Francis is my winner. And with that said, again, I give Andrew Day the win and Yoon Jun Yoon. And I give, oh my god, Maria Blacklova the win and Francis McDormand, best actress. And I have McDormand and Yoon. So, Brandon, question for you really quick before we wrap this up. Would you say Diana Ross is the better Billy Holiday? Because you did give her the win. Yeah. Um, 
They're two. They're, they're different Billie Holiday. Very different. And the films are so different. I think Lady Sings the Blues is a better film than United States vs. Billie Holiday. But I don't know if I would say one's better than the other. They're just both good in their own unique ways. And they're two different lineups. Very true. Like, if they were in the same lineup, I don't know how the fuck I'd place them. But So you can't really say just because I give Diana Ross the win means she's better than the person I don't give the win. I just have a feeling we would get that tweet, like, what? because you know what I mean? People ask. You didn't get that question. Yeah. I'm surprised we didn't get that. Well, we kind of did with the Angela Bassett thing. Yeah. Guys, this is it. We did it. How long did this take? Three and a half hours. We're still, it's about 3.40 right now. Wow. All right. Ryan, where can the people find you? Find me on Twitter at RyanMcQuaid77. I'm right, um, the associate editor and awards editor over at In Session Film, where I edit all the wonderful things from these wonderful gentlemen. And you can also find my other writings at Awards Watch, Awards Radar, and Film Speak. And you can find my other podcast, where I talk about blockbusters with the great Kevin Lee, at, uh, busting the block, which is at busting the block on Twitter. It's a lot, I know, but I'm just a busy guy. And look at that, our first in-person episode since 1989. Yeah, I have a feeling it will not be our last, but it will be our last for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So, Brandon, so nice to see you. It's been. A, I'm glad we did this. Thanks. And. Um, all right, guys, without further ado, the count of three. One, two, three. Goodbye, ready? One, two, three. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.